Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, a happy good Monday morning to you. That's just one more thing that we're going to have to adjust and or change around here is probably the intro to this show. Still going to be presented by United Dairy Farmers. No problem there. Shout out to United Dairy Farmers. Casey's over there, man in the desk by himself for the first time, probably trying to figure, uh, figure out what he's going to do with himself. This is, this is uh, probably a lonely moment in Casey's uh, efforts right now. Casey, we'll, we'll check on you first. I know that you're over there. Uh, it looks like you're going to stand the whole show. Is that the plan, or what, what are we that, doing over there? That is my plan. That is my plan, and uh, <laughs> it is an effort to be uh, seen better by the camera and uh, to be healthy. Okay. So. Well, I have an idea <clears throat> as I try to clear my throat here. I have an idea. I, th I think we just need to probably do a little small rearranging of the studio. Now, how long that's going to take us, I don't know. There was this joke before the show actually even began, before you knew this is, was even a thing, that we had everything in reverse. And then about a week before the show, after everything was set up, Casey, um, rightfully, to be fair to Casey, decided that he wanted to flip the whole entire room around. And I thought, all right, fine, we'll do that. We'll do that, which was a good idea. Got to give him his props. It was a good idea. But, uh, but now I feel like it's time to maybe try to re reassess what this looks like because at this moment, things are different. One of them being that I'm obviously in this desk, and this show is going to run a little bit different. It's not going to be significantly different, quite frankly. And I'm also not going to try to make uh, – I don't know what the term is, but I'm not going to try to make a, a little – you know, what's the small term where it's like an anthill out of a mountain or some stupid saying like mole hill? Is it a molehill? Is it a molehill? Yeah. All right. I think it's mole molehill. Hill. Make a mountain out of a molehill. All right. That's the term I was, I was trying to come up with in real time. I couldn't quite do it, obviously. We got there. But, but we did get there. And here's the thing. The reason, the reason I'm not going to do that is because I don't think many people that listen to Sports Talk are looking for that type of content. I do think that it happens on 24-7 type of talk radio where you have to spew thoughts because otherwise – you, you legitimately just run out of airtime, and they can't do what we do on YouTube, which is just, you know, turn the lights off, call it, call it the end of the show. So if you're looking for me to overreact about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Green Bay Packers playing a preseason game, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. I, I, I genuinely don't even know if you can take anything away from the preseason outside of two things. Justin Fields isn't any good, and Stetson Bennett is better at football than many people want to give him credit for. Outside of those two things, I don't think there's much to talk about about the preseason. You guys might disagree. I don't know how you feel. Are you concerned, happy about your Cincinnati Bengals? You guys got a thumping against the Green Bay Packers, though, would, in the first preseason game. Trace, as a Georgia fan and a Packer fan, would you rather Aaron Rodgers or Stetson Bennett be the quarterback of the Packers? Because they're both about the same age. Oh, yeah. That joke <laughs> is almost as tired as the 4 to nothing joke. Almost. Huh. Don't you think? Oh. No, I like that joke. No, the thing about the preseason game. Which joke are we talking about? The age of Stetson The first one, yeah. <laughs> the, the thing about the preseason games is you don't care about the result. You don't care about the actual score. You don't care about who mm. won, who lost. What you care about is seeing the rookies get a chance to play, seeing who's going to make the roster. That's what's exciting is seeing who, who can play. And, and you, you saw certain players get emotional, like Tyson Anderson had a fantastic game, and Mike Thomas was incredibly emotional, incredibly proud for Tyson Anderson. Dax Hill looked great in a role he's going to be filling 
the, the two starting safety roles have completely opened up, and now we've got a first-round pick from the last season. His first chance to see him play this year, he makes an incredible play. So you don't you don't get over you don't overanalyze it. You don't do anything other than just watch it, get excited to see your favorite football team play again, and see you know it's kind of like spring training. Mm-hmm. And if a dude's playing bad, you're just like, ah, oh, it's preseason. It's whatever. If they're playing well, like, ah, they look like they're in the best shape of their life. They look like they're ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Let's do it. So that's what's exciting about preseason. Well, there's not one thing I care less about than preseason NFL football. I mean, it's just a joke. I mean, it's just a joke. If you're betting on it, if, if you're into that kind of thing, if you're gambling on preseason NFL football, you take the underdog every time. You want to take the guys, you want to take the teams who have players who have something to prove, like the Chiefs. You're not betting the Chiefs. My buddy bet the, the Saints last night. It was one of the most preposterous wins I've ever seen. The Chiefs had the ball. They were up with a minute left. They were throwing the football around. Threw an interception, and the Saints kicked a field goal at the buzzer to cover minus one and a half in a preseason game. The preseason in the NFL is such a joke. I mean, it's such a joke. The Packers, this will be their only four-game winning streak the entire year. Three. Three-game winning streak. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. They took one away. Uh, the, the, yeah, I, 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 I've never cared about anything less than NFL preseason football. Nobody cares. Well, the— Reed brings up a good point. I think that there is an opportunity for some guys to get meaningful playing time. And I guess meaningful is a very vague term. But but it's it's one of those situations where you are trying to assess, assess is the right term to use there. You're trying to assess what the depth looks like probably on a team of guys that are not really going to get meaningful playing time unless somebody goes down, unless there's an injury, unless, I guess. The only thing I want to harken back to a little bit here with this preseason stuff is the offensive line is something that Tom talked about at length last year of whether or not the offensive line should play or not play. I don't know if I'm there yet on that situation. I will say that I watched a little bit of that game. I didn't watch a lot because I was watching the Reds. But the, the line didn't look great. I seen the Jackson Carmen clips. Oh, man. Here's the thing. Oh, Our, and I'm going to. Can I defend Jackson Carmen for just a minute? Absolutely. Is, sure. is, is, it, is it that big of a deal in one game that you guys, and I say you guys, I'm talking about the fan base as whole, they're already like saying that he should automatically be cut from the team. Is that is that the situation of like DFA and Luke Weaver, which could arguably be like seen as a positive thing? Yeah. Now, I'm just trying to defend the, the Jackson Carmen of saying he went into Buffalo in, a, in, in one of the most meaningful games of the year. Played pretty well. And he has one, call it bad, situation where he's at the line. I don't know if you have that clip, Casey, but maybe if you don't, no big deal. I'll but, pull but, it up but real fast. He, he's at the line. If you haven't seen it, you are probably not been on social media at all. But he clearly just didn't know the snap count or he didn't hear the snap count. One of two things happened. He did not want to false start i guess is what yeah. i he didn't want to false start the only the only thing about it is this though why did he stand there so long is the only question <laughs> i have i mean as soon as those guys get past you like four or five feet usually the guard they usually stand up and look to make sure like hey did the play start he did not do that casey run this clip of jackson carmen and i'm i'm trying to defend him the best that i can I don't know if that's the same play that I was looking at. It's this one. Right? This yeah, is this, is, one. This, this is this is this is this is this is the one that I was talking about. He just stands there, and I don't <laughs> I don't know at what point does he realize? Oh, <laughs> there there's a football play happening. 
Well, <laughs> this happened twice because I looked up Jackson Carbon on Twitter, and the first one I found is a completely different play of the exact same thing happening. Yeah, yeah, that preseason game, it was like the it was the worst performance I've ever seen from Jackson Carmen. It was the worst I've ever seen, and I don't know if it's just because he can't play on the right side. He plays a lot better on the left. That's oh. what people have been noticing, but. <laughs> do you think that twice. like do you happening think that actually, is really bad? Do you think that really actually bad. matters? Because that like that wasn't even a football player. That was like me going out there right now. Like I just <laughs> stand there and do nothing. I mean that was like if left side, right side. If you want, I mean yeah, you're not used to the right side, but you still have to know like if there's a football game, right? Like you still have to be <laughs> kind of self-aware of what's happening. And he was not. And and I'm looking at this play right. There's that another one. Ja that wasn't Jackson Carbon. Jackson Carbon's the right tackle in that play. I, I rewatched it, but <laughs> it's funny that it happened twice. It's just it's just crazy. I mean, it's just cra it just goes to show NFL preseason. It just doesn't matter. Well, you know, these guys are out there just having fun. It, what, it's just fun ball. For what it's worth, Jackson Carbon has a has a very prominent role to fill on this team in that in, a, in, in on an offensive line that has needed depth for a couple years now. He has the opportunity to be that depth. You know, we've seen him play well in Buffalo. Seen him come up in that time, and we're losing the microphone. But you can't trust the guy. No, no. You can't trust the guy. And he's got such a prominent role in the team. He's not going to be a starter, but he's – you know what he is? Is he, he's, the, he's the guy in baseball that's the utility player that is in the lineup almost every day because someone's banged up, so you just throw him out there. That's what Jackson Carmen has to be. It, you can't trust him to be that. You just can't. <laughs> Who's more valuable, Jackson Carmen or Kevin Newman? Fart Newman. <laughs> yeah. Got, Kevin Newman needs to get off. I would team. like to see Jackson Carmen splits against a lefty. I'd like to see, <laughs> I'd like to see this lefty swim move his splits on that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's really, really bad is that, you know, you can, like, react to people after they've committed the foul or the, the, the penalty, right? Offensive linemen, if you're good and you're aware, just like you were saying, they will wait until the guy starts to pass them and then react to them. Right. He didn't even do that. He, just, <laughs> he literally just was like, eh, I'm here. I'm ready. Yeah, it, really. it's – it's. Um, <clears throat> do you remember – again, I guess I'm on the defend Jackson Carmen train here. Do you remember for a while, though, they were teaching offensive lines throughout the college football specifically, throughout the country, that they don't move no matter what happens. And I don't know why that was ever a thing, but maybe – Perhaps Clemson did that, and perhaps maybe that just got stuck in Jackson's brain for just a half a second. I'm just defending him for a minute here. Be careful, everybody. It's okay. Um, my main point to all this is I don't think it matters. I really don't. I think Jackson Carmen went into Buffalo. He played relatively well. You could say it was the snow. You could say it was luck. You could say whatever you want. But when it meant the most, Jackson Carmen played pretty well. Is it, a, is it at a position that he's trying to play right now? No. But – I don't think I'm going to be sideways about anybody after one preseason game, whether it's great and or whether it's bad. I think preseason football in and of itself is is like you guys said. It's an exhibition. I don't know how many people actually care about it. There was one good – a couple good plays here that we can run through, Casey, that people have not seen that, uh, that you can hang your hat on, if you will, about the first preseason game. Casey is mighty proud of this one. Go ahead, Casey. Yeah, so – I believe this is the one that Dax Reed, you Hill, sent yep. me. Yep. This is the all-22 look of the Dax Hill play. I mean, he makes a play almost on the opposite side of the field, right? I mean, yeah, he's, run he's it. On, watch it again. Yeah, path. he's he's on the opposite side, and the, the man the bre beat. breaks 
beats his man on the corner here, and Dax comes from across the field and breaks that play up. That's a touchdown if he doesn't get there in time. It's yeah. a hell of a play from very a much-needed position. Play. I mean, this is very Jesse Bates-esque, right? Mm-hmm. The only the single safety in the backfield, sideline sideline play, excellent ball hawking skills from 23. And then uh, I think here we're going to well, go into b- – But before we start talking about Tyson Anderson, about this Dax Hill play, yeah. the, when, when Tom asked the question on this show, are the Bengals better than they were a, season, a year ago – the biggest question mark there is how are they going to be at the safety position, right? Because right. every other position is is either on on plane, if not better than it was a year ago. The only position that's not is safety because you know we lost the two starters. We lost Jesse Bates and and uh, Mike Hilton, right? No, I apologize. Sorry, Von Von, Von Bell. Bell. Von Bell. My bad. Sorry, all the secondary guys, but. Dax Hill, who was a first round draft pick a year ago, we knew that he was going to fill into this role this year. I mean. He's an incredibly versatile athlete, and you saw it right there. It's I, I've I've got a lot of confidence in this secondary right now. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do too, Reed. Um, I thought this game just proved that the secondary is a underrated part of our team. Um, the guys that are going to get significant playing time, the guys that we drafted to fill in certain roles, just really shined. And last year, we didn't even have a chance to really look at Tyson Anderson. He got hurt. I think the first or second preseason game last year and was put on the IR for the mm-hmm. remainder of the season. Mm-hmm. And he goes out and he does this. I mean, great play aided by, by some pressure up the yeah. middle, but still you gotta, you gotta have your, you gotta have your, uh, Sean Clifford. you gotta be able to make a play here. What a joke. Get the Saint interception. X. The and then to say next there. So far, we've laughed at a Fairfield grad to say next grad on this show. Right, <laughs> that's right. And then you got to do it again. You got to do it again. This is a, another play. He just rips it right out of the receiver's hands. And this is this is a guy that we didn't even really expect to maybe be on the team this year. The depth at safety to me is is not even a question anymore. Just by one preseason game, and I know Ooh. you gotta continue. You gotta continue. Let's not, to, get, let's not get too too ahead of our you gotta, skis. Here. You gotta continue to to prove it, right? I get that, but Tyson was again one of those guys that had a really high RAS score. And you know how I feel about RAS scores. You got a really athletic guy in your backfield. I'll take it, and he's just proving that he's a, a really good athlete. The thing is, though, football usually comes down to two things. How well can you pressure the quarterback and how well can you protect the quarterback? And that, so far, for the Cincinnati Bengals is yet to be determined when it comes to Joe Burrow and whether or not you can keep him upright. Now, I just think that's that's the fact. Well, come on. That's that's the truth. You're saying football comes down to two things. It does. How well can you protect the quarterback? And the Bengals have not protected their quarterback well for two years now. We've ended up in the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship game. There's more to the football game than that. It is an incredibly important piece. And we've shored up that piece, at least on paper. Right. You know what you sound like? You sound like the guy that that thinks that whatever he has that's in front of him is going to work forever, even though it might have only worked for a short amount of time. It's like it's like you went down to the basement and you put a big old a big old patch of duct tape over your air conditioner unit, and it's been working. It worked. It, hell, it, it lasted through one summer, and you're like, that thing. Hey, don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's going to keep on running. I can only. I don't know. I can only think of what I see, and what I've seen is the Bengals be very damn good for two years. 
Okay, here's the only thing I'll say. Listen, this is we're not going to get into the semantics of this. We're going to turn into red, some, do, do some red stuff. Do some what we saw over the weekend. We'll have some fun on this show. Because I don't think we're, we should overreact at all about any of this preseason stuff. The Cincinnati Bengals have been good, and you expect them to continue to be good. Everything says they should be good. There's no reason as to why we should fret one way or the over unless somebody gets sincere, uh, sincerely hurt and or injured during this preseason. That should be the only thing, I think, in our minds where we should make a big deal about it. Now... I think, to Casey's point, you could say, hey, I, I like the way the secondary looked. I like the way the safeties looked. They're new. That's important. But no matter what happens, as long as no one gets severely injured, then it's, it's a big nothing. You keep it moving. Now, the only other point to this would be about the Bengals is that, yes, they've had success. But I don't know if the success that they had is sustainable to a small extent in the way in which it's sustainable for, like, and again, I know I'm using the extremes here, but like the Kansas City Chiefs win in a little bit of a different way, it felt like, than the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals, for, for their little playoff runs, and I say little, they weren't little, they were long playoff runs, Joe Burrow had to be like, he had to be very, very good. And the defense, which is probably the term that maybe that we never we never give the defense enough credit. It's always yeah. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow. And well, that's the time the truth. we try to give the defensive coordinator credit, you you, you shoot. Well that is because the players win. Yeah. I'm so tired of hearing about Armadillo when you got when you got great players. You have unbelievable players. Now Armadillo is probably a part a, a small piece of that. But I'm telling you right now, if Armadillo left, the Bengals would be just as good. I do, mm. I, I, I do think mm. that. Mm. I do think that. We'll see. Well, I sure hope so. Well, we'll find out at I some hope, point. Yeah, this, right. this, this year, if they, have, if they play relatively well, Armadillo will be gone, and we'll find out. We'll find out how good he is, how valuable he is. It just, it's like most great defenses, when the defensive coordinator leaves, the defense stays relatively pretty good. We'll see. All right. I watched about what seemed to be way too much baseball yesterday. Um... I don't like the idea of having to do a show on double headers because if you don't watch most of the game, then you quickly realize if you if you try that one time and you miss four or five innings or you don't watch the game, then you inevitably miss something important. And the next thing you know, you're behind the eight ball and you're trying to catch up and you spend just as much time on Twitter and doing research as you would if you just watched the game. So I sat there and I watched inning after inning after inning yesterday in Pittsburgh. And I'm telling you right now, I've never said this probably before about watching sports. I've never been more depressed watching sports in my life. I just felt like I was watching the Titanic and there was a guy just playing the violin or whatever he's playing <laughs> on the side and everything was just like, oh, is everything okay? And nothing's okay. It's just, I'm watching bad baseball. That's the worst part about it. It's like the Reds were playing somebody that was definitely not as good as them and you're watching the game and you're just like, these two teams are terrible. They're horrible. I remember watching the Royals earlier this year and thinking to myself, if I had to watch the Royals play every single game, like I genuinely would, would ask the Royals for money as I entered the gates. <laughs> That's how bad they are. The Royals are that bad. And I was thinking to myself yesterday, what has happened to the team of old? Why am I watching Tyler Stevenson for two straight at-bats? Have the worst at bat you could possibly imagine have. I mean, you generally can't have a worse at bat. Elliot makes fun of, of, of the idea of always being able to go and do major league things and being able to go and win the Masters, and we'll get into that later probably. We're going to set the time date, and we're going to make sure that happens. I know people in the chat said, oh, that's not going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, 
Elliott could have had a better at bat than Tyler Stevenson yesterday because Elliott would have probably swung and missed and or took the pitch. But no, two straight at bats, Tyler Stevenson rolls over a ground ball. When I say roll over a ground ball, it's the pure definition of it. In fact, they probably should use it as the definition. Rolls over a ground ball to shortstop, double play the first time, and then the second time, well, at that point I was over him. I know that you've been off the Tyler Stevenson bandwagon for quite some time. I can't stand it. What happened? Where did we go wrong? I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that once once he started playing other positions, he just lost a groove. He lost his funk. That or the injury, I don't know. But he's become a slap hitter. He can't defend. He's slow. He offers nothing. I mean, truly, he offers nothing. He has no value. Luke Maley needs to be playing every single day. Every single day. Tyler Stevenson shouldn't be up. And I make the joke about Chucky Robinson. But at what point, like... Like, like we, we said Matt McClain was killing it down in AAA, right? We said Ellie was killing it down in AAA. Strand was killing it down in AAA. Why doesn't it matter? For, I, and this, is, this could be just be me being naive. It could be just being unintelligent. Why is Chucky Robinson like, let's send, let's send Tyler down. Give him a week. I don't know. Give him three days for all I care. Send him down. Have him work on something. But Chucky Robinson's still hitting 330 down in AAA. Is it because he's 28? That's why people don't like him? Because he had in five at bats last year, he went 0 for 5. Is that Will Benson started 0 for 30 this year, and you see what he's doing. So I don't know. I don't know why people are so against sending Tyler Stevenson down and bringing up Chucky Robinson. And again, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm just naive. He's a 28 year old guy. He hasn't proven anything. Is that is that why? But he can't possibly be worse than Tyler Stevenson. There's no way he can be worse. Tyler Stevenson has a negative everything. He 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 he, he contributes nothing. The fan base crucified Jonathan India all year, including you. Crucified him. Jose Barrero is better. Bring up Jose Barrero. He'll be, he'll be better than Jonathan India. Jose Barrero hasn't proven anything in, in Major League Baseball either. So I, I, I don't know what you do with Tyler Stevenson other than you send him down, have him work on something, bring up Chucky Robinson for a week. If, Chucky, if Chucky's 0 for 20, he's 0 for 20. It, can, it still can't be worse than what Tyler Stevenson's doing. Yesterday on Red's Twitter was one of the worst days on Red's Twitter, I think, of all time. I think collectively, and it wasn't just Tyler Stevenson. We'll get into the David Bell of the of the worlds too. So it, it was just an all time bad day on Red's Twitter. All time <laughs> bad day. I was I was driving home from Norris, and I was you know we're streaming it on one, we're looking on Twitter on the other, and it's just like what do we? I mean, what is what's going on? The fan base is broken, it's battered, and I guess that's what happens when you exceed expectations like this, and then you go right back down into a slump. But it's it's terrible. I mean, Tyler Stevenson, get him off my team. Send him down to AAA. Let him, let him play in that summer league team that Freddie Prince Jr. was in, in that movie. Let him go over there. Let, let, give him some at-bats over there because this is terrible. Do you have Chucky Robinson's... Uh... Yeah, I do. Okay, I'll tell you what I think it is. You ready for it? Yeah. Can you tell me what round Chucky Robinson was drafted in? No, I can't. All right. Well, I, I think it's like the twenty. I think I it's like stats. the twenty twentieth, twenty or 21st round. Yeah. Chucky Robinson's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. It sucks, but that's just part of the way it goes in professional baseball. Guys that get drafted higher, guys that are supposed to be part of the franchise, guys that are that are, that have been paid money, they get as many opportunities as they possibly can. They're like the five star quarterbacks that go to college, right? It's like yeah. you get as many chances as you can. <clears throat> I mean, Evan Prater is probably a pretty close example to what I'm thinking of. I mean, the guy didn't really play all that well. I think Luke Fickle knew in the back of his mind that Evan Prater just wasn't going to be able to be good enough to be a high-level major quarterback. And he kept trying because yeah. of just what he was when he came in. But if Evan Prater was just some like lowly recruit, maybe a walk-on, had the same exact skill set, 
he would have lasted like probably three weeks in the quarterback room and then have been like, hey, you got to go somewhere else. You're not going to make it here. So that's where we're at with Chucky Robinson in a little bit of a way. I, I know that sucks, not a good answer, but I think that's part of it. It's like Tyler Stevenson has had a couple good years in the major leagues. He's shown promise. Chucky Robinson's this guy that, oh, he's been a little bit of a bright spot. He's played he's played above what we thought he ever could be. He's cute, kind of. You talk about, like, petting the puppy dog. That's kind of what <laughs> Chucky Robinson is for you. So, like, Chucky Robinson, would it'd be nice to maybe give him a chance. He got a chance last year. It was a, such a short sample Very size little. that it's not fair to Chucky to say, oh, well, he can't do it. He, he, he got his chance, and he blew it. But, but when we're talking about guys that get drafted in the 20th-plus rounds – those are the chances that you get, though. Like, you don't get too many other chances, if that makes sense. So, he got his 30 at-bats. He didn't take an advantage of it, which is not fair. I get it. But that's part of why I think Chucky Robinson's not getting another opportunity. If Chucky Robinson last year would have hit, you know, call it 275 in the short time that he was up here, I think they would have toyed or they would have given it an idea. The other side of it is, like, I, is it – and I don't believe this. I know many probably do. I think in a little bit of a way – Will Benson proved this to be incorrect, but I think a little bit of a way front office does not want to send Tyler Stevenson down because I think it does two things. One, it sends a, le a message to the league that they believe that there's a chance Tyler Stevenson's not that guy, which means that his trade value in a little bit of a way probably goes right. down. That's part of it. So you That's don't want to go into the offseason being like, hey, we want to trade you Tyler Stevenson. What happened to him? Well, he ended the year down in Louisville. And he, he wasn't worth a bag of bricks the, the rest of the year. So it's like I, 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 get the, I get the concept of wanting to be better now. But I think for the Red standpoint, they're hoping that he can get hot, get back to his old ways. And I don't see it. I really don't see it. I, do I think he could, he could be somewhat productive with the bat? Maybe. But he's so far in his head at this point that I don't think he's ever going to get out. Like he's in, this, he's in this corn maze right now in the middle of a, a hot summer day. And I guess it wouldn't be summer in October. And he's and he's and he's lost, and he's starting to get frustrated, and he's starting to get frantic, and he's he's worried about the the sun, and he's seeing that the the sun's going down over the horizon, and he's thinking I'm never going to get out of here. I think that's where Tyler Stevenson is right now when he walks up the plate. I think when he gets to the plate, Tyler Stevenson thinks he's already out before he's even stepped in the plate, which happens in baseball. If you play baseball long enough, right. you do walk up to the plate. Sometimes you're thinking like, oh, here we go again. And I mean, <laughs> you ain't even stepped in the box yet. Uh, you were going to say something. Well, I was just going to say like. Everyone's hopping off the train for Tyler Stevenson, and I understand that he's been he's been terrible this year. But he's had a thousand major league plate appearances. Sixty percent of them, he's looked like one of the best young catchers in the league, at least at the plate. <laughs> Behind the plate has not been so great. Uh, to jump off the Tyler Stevenson bandwagon seems a little short-sighted, just because he's not contributing on a team that's trying for a playoff push at the very moment. So I'm not. I don't think you should necessarily be out on Tyler Stevenson because the reward of him turning into a great hitting catcher is so much greater than just saying, "All right, we're done." The Tyler Stevenson experiments failed just because one bad season. I mean, we've seen 600 at bats of the kid, and he looked great for the past two seasons. So I'm. I'm I, I would. I would be weary of just letting Tyler Stevenson go. I laughed at Elliot when he when he was first started talking about Tyler Stevenson because he sounded like Stephen A. Smith describing Kwame Brown. Mm -hmm. He's like he's got slow hands. He can't move. <laughs> he doesn't have a post member that he can put to memory. That's what he sounded like. <laughs> well, just like at some point it's gonna like. And I get this is the the team of experimenting right. We're, we're, we're working with these young guys. They're working on everything. So at that point, that's fair, but Tyler Stevenson's costing the Reds games. I mean, he's costing the Reds runs. 
behind the plate. That's yeah, why he's, he's, he's bad. It is, you it can't is be bad a, behind the dish. You can't be a slap hitter, and then and then you come behind the plate, and you can't field a ball. He's I, You just can't. At so some point, why? The, the slugging was never really there for him. I mean, I know in the 50 games last year, he, he slugged like 475 or something like that, which is really good for a catcher. But like, it's, it's not like he was a 40-home run threat, and now it's gone. Here's my problem with the whole thing. I don't think he's a catcher. I watch him catch. If the guy looked great catching the ball, I, I, all of this would be a different story. But every time I hear somebody say, well, he's a great hitting catcher, well, he's not a catcher. If he was That's a great, def- if he was That's a great fair. defensive catcher, then I would be like, okay, I, I, I believe in that. I understand he's going through a struggle. I see people like, oh, Tucker Barnhart. Tucker Barnhart was a joke as as, as well to a small extent. This whole Golden Gloves thing mm-hmm. that, that that everyone hangs their <laughs> hangs their uh, paralysis with the Tucker Barnhart. I don't think the Reds have had a really good catcher since like I don't even know when. I can't. I don't even want to go back and speculate. But it's been a, it's been a quite some time. And I think the thing is, is Tyler Stevenson for a little bit of a time was a bright spot because he hit a little bit and he was he was a catcher. But the problem is, is that when you start watching long enough, you're starting to question yourself. Like, I know this sounds really ridiculous to say, but it's like, let's go find a guy that's a power hitting right fielder and ask him genuinely in the, in the minors that probably is not going to have a spot because he's just, he's just not good enough of a hitter. Yeah. And he's not unbelievable defensively. Let's go to him and be like, hey, have you ever caught? <laughs> and if, and if, he, if he says yes at all, even if we're, to, if we, I can, I would be willing to go all the way back to minor leagues of little league. Like I'm talking eight years old. If they've ever caught from eight years old on, then I think that you give it a shot, and I think they genuinely have just as good of a chance to be just as good of a catcher. And I'm talking about defensively as Tyler Stevenson. That's how bad I genuinely think that he is defensively. Now, am I trying to crush Tyler Stevenson? Do I think that he could get better? I think he's genuinely a great person. Like that's the other thing I want people to understand. I'm not downplaying what he means as a person or who he is as a teammate. He he's not a bad clubhouse guy. He just is so bad defensively that when he struggles even a little bit at the plate, to Elliot's point, you start to ask yourself, what is it that we get out of this? What is it that we get? At least with a defensive catcher, and I say defensive as in like an average catcher, you know you're always probably gonna probably gonna be able to throw a couple guys out, and you're gonna probably gonna not allow people to move extra free bases, which I'm not, he's, he's done a little bit better to be fair to Tyler, but he always gives up a free base. It seems like in a meaningful moment. And you're just like, is this guy even like really a catcher? Or did he yeah. just decide one day that he wanted to catch? And he was, he, and he went, he's what he was in a small town and I know I'm being a little facetious, but <laughs> it, it just, at some point it's like, that's my only argument back to it. It's like, no, you're, I'm okay with it, fair. but he's so bad defensively. I don't even know if he's a catcher. No, I, that, that's actually something I didn't like. If he was hitting the way that he was hitting and was a good catcher, we wouldn't even have any conversations about what Tyler Stevenson means to the future of the Reds. We would just be like, hey, Tyler Stevenson probably needs to pick it up a little bit hitting-wise. Yeah. That's the only conversation we'd be having. If, if he was every day behind the plate and you were getting quality production defensively out of Stevenson, then you wouldn't even be having these conversations. Yeah, I have a question for you, Reed, our resident catcher. Sling it my way, Big Pimpin'. Did you ever get into a catching slump? Like that to me that that concept doesn't like like there's no other catchers that get into a catching slump. Right? About the you hips? can get in, you can get into a hitting slump. No, just like like just being like having no confidence as a catcher. And no, no, defense is the thing that 
I remember when I was a sophomore in college, I was batting like 180, striking out every half a bat. And my dad told me, he's like, hey, if you can't figure out how to help the team offensively, just figure out how to help the team. So then you start locking in like, oh, I've got to be the best catcher I can be. I got to, you, you, start, you start focusing in on all these different facets. And, and defense is the one thing that really should never go into a slump. It should just be, you know, muscle memory. Catching, you know, you catch the ball, you frame the ball, you throw it down to second base. I mean, by the time you're 26 years old, like Tyler Stevenson is, throwing down to second base isn't, is it, I mean, you could do it blindfolded. You really can. Like, you can just, it should, your arm should just be able to get it there. Yeah. Yeah, it, it shouldn't, to answer your question. It yeah, really I mean, that's the be. one thing that, uh, to, to, to stick on this point a little bit about defense, like, that's the one point I always keep, keep making about Ellie. I get Ellie stunk it up for a little while. I get that Ellie strikes out, it seems like, every other time he comes up to the plate. But what he offers defensively, I'm not going to complain about it. Because yesterday, if you watch the game, he made a couple plays that, and I'm not saying that Matt McClain couldn't have made them because Matt McClain is a great baseball player. And if there was one player on this team that I think that the Reds should consider extending, it'd be Matt McClain. I think he's that damn good. I think he's going to be in the majors for quite some time. And it might sound like overreactionary right now, but it wouldn't shock me if you said of all the guys that are going to make the Hall of Fame on the Cincinnati Reds, if there was one guy that you'd have to bet whatever considerable amount of money towards, I would bet Matt McClain over Ellie because I think Matt McClain's got sustainability. And I think Ellie could be that guy. But he's more of a, he's more of more of a lottery ticket in a way for me. Ellie's got every tool in the book, but I don't know how long those tools will will continue to be elite as he grows older. He's only 21, I get it, but when he's 28, 29 years old, is he going to be able to re, is he going to be able to reference back to how quick he is? Matt McClain's just a good baseball player. He just he just is. He doesn't do anything maybe unbelievable where you're going to say, oh my god, that's un, that's the best play I've ever seen. But he's also I'm not saying he doesn't ever going to make a mistake. He clearly will. But my main point is, is that Matt McClain, I, I, it's hard for me to say that he wouldn't make the plays that Ellie made yesterday, but Ellie made some plays that go unnoticed. He, 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 made, he made a play in the a backhand play in the hole where he got the out at second base that I think essentially was like in the eighth inning. And I, I, if you would have thrown the ball away, the Reds lose. Put yeah, it that way. He made a really nice play on Andrew McCutcheon. He was playing in the hole and made a diving. McCutcheon lined one in the hole, and he made a really nice play, diving play. He's a great defender. Yeah. So, so that that I don't think, in a way, could it slump a little bit? Could you get in, could you get in, like what you said defensively slump a little bit? Yeah, you can. I guess there's, but it doesn't last long. More times than not, and I and I as far as like the slump concept with Tyler Stevenson catching. I mean, it, it does. It doesn't last that long. You know what I'm saying? I mean, for, at this point, put it this way. COVID last, lasted not as long as Tyler Stevenson's catching slump. So I, I, unless there's going to be some <laughs> vaccines down at the stadium for some, for some defensive slumps, I don't think that Tyler Stevenson is going to get any better. Can, can so we, that's why I'm at on it. Can we talk about something? I, I tweeted out something about Ellie De La Cruz yesterday. And I, it, it came from a place that I genuinely do not understand why Reds fans have this like this – black hole in their memory about how good Javi Baez was. But I've just been hearing for like three weeks now about how freaking terrible Javi Baez is as a baseball player. So I tweeted out, I was like, ah, Ellie De La Cruz is a free swinging, no plate discipline, great infielder that does cool stuff on the baseball field all the time and seemingly has a highlight once a week. That is the coolest thing you've ever seen on baseball. Does it remind you of someone? And I put a picture up of Javi Baez and everyone started tweeting me like, oh my God, you're such a hater, you're such a hater. I was like, you guys are forgetting that Javi Baez is an incredible baseball player. That wasn't a slight. Now I think Ellie De La Cruz is better, but Javi Baez is a great baseball player. 
I, I just don't understand why yeah, well, everyone yeah. thought I was, well, I was why, why making I, a dig why, yeah, at, why at I clue, Daily Well, why don't I clue you in? Because you're a career troll, you live under a bridge, you come out and you give riddles. That's your little troll. You're a troll. And that's what you are, Reed. You come out under the bridge every once in a while, and you make fun of our players, and you compare them to a guy who literally couldn't hit a, a, a balloon ball if you had uh, had the biggest I mean, bat in the world. He's I mean, the worst player I've ever seen play. He's disgusting. He's horrible. Javi Baez would be the why, best that's, middle infielder That's why people don't like it, Reed. That's why people don't like it. Because you come out of the troll bridge, and you come out and you say, hey, I'm Reed the troll. Here's a riddle for you, and then everybody loses the riddle because you're a troll. That's why people don't like it. So that's what. Then maybe that's the disconnect you're seeing with the fans on Red Twitter. No, but I listen. Listen, I, no. Ellie De La Cruz's at bats have been horrible. I'm not saying bad. That. They've been horrible. It's it's hard to watch him swing a bat right now. Hor it like the, the way MLB has shifted into like oh strikeouts are strikeouts are awesome. Like, because they are. I mean, strikeouts are a big part of the game now. Everybody's striking out. It doesn't matter as much. Like, in 1975, if you strike out twice a game and you had two hits, you're still a bad player because you struck out looking twice, right? So the game has evolved where strikeouts don't really matter. But the way he's striking out, he's looking at pitches down the middle. He's swinging at pitches that bounce 10 feet in front of the plate. The at-bat, the, the plate discipline has disappeared. The plate discipline was there the first three weeks, maybe month yeah, stretch yeah, of his yeah. career. No, it was. And, yeah. I, and I truly believe he, he came up to the, the leadoff position and the, the whole plate approach changed and he's stuck with it and he's just become bad. So to your point, he has been swinging like Javi Baez. He has not been good at the plate. We are lucky if he gets on base at this point, and, and that sucks. That's a bad place to be in. But like Trey said, if he's going to make superstar plays in, in, at shortstop, he, he's, he has more than a place on this team. More than a place. So he's going to work through this. He's, gonna, he's so young. He's so young. He's going to be fine. Just, just take a couple more pitches. Don't swing at the dirt balls. That's all I ask. Don't swing at dirt it, balls. He's going to get 600 at-bats a season. Like As yeah. long as he's healthy, he's going to get – because he's going to be in the lineup every single day because he gives you the ability both defensively and when he, whenever he gets on the base paths to, to, to generate runs or, or you know, eliminate them on the defensive side. It's, so he's, he's going to play every day because he's that talented. Yeah, and it's not fair. It's, not, it's genuinely not fair that Ellie came up with as much hype that he did. And then he genuinely, one would argue, exceeded those expectations. That doesn't happen a lot. But that only was for, what, two, three weeks? Yeah. Maybe four weeks? Clearly, there's going to be a regression there. When you come up with as much hype as Ellie did, and then you exceed them, and he put this team quite literally on his back for what felt like two and a half weeks. And yes, there was other guys that were making plays, and there was other guys that were that were that were good, a la like I said before, Steer and McLean, and you, we go we go through the list of guys that have all been good. But but Ellie in and of himself provided a spark to this team that got them and put them in a place that let Reds fans, dare I say, dream a little bit. It let Reds fans get a little bit of a taste of something that they've been starving for for so long. The towels that are waving in the crowd, the, 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 the energy of a crisp fall day at a ballpark with everything on the line that is playoff baseball. That is what we're all starving for. Let's be honest. No Reds fan in their right mind thinks this team should win the World Series. No, no, no one in their right mind thinks, oh man, you know, I, I don't see one team that would Listen, there's probably six teams easily that I would say that if the Reds played a seven-game series with, they'd be toast. They wouldn't have much of a chance. Now, in a three-game series, it's baseball. It's almost like anybody can beat anybody. So that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to playoff baseball. Maybe we get fortunate. We catch a break. You win the first series. And the next thing you know, who knows from there? 
Maybe you get lucky, you catch lightning in a bottle, and you make a run, and you do the, what the Philadelphia Phillies did last year. But the biggest point that I'm trying to make in all this is that the reason that there's all this, this disconnect and this discord and this, this frustration is because we, and I say we as Reds fans, for a minute we got a chance to see it, and we got a chance to see the, basically the, the high-end product that is the Cincinnati Reds. And they were in first place. And you could make the argument they play in a division where you don't know who the best team is. Mm. You can draw out of a hat. You don't know who the best team is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I genuinely believe that you could say, you know what, are the Reds, Cubs, and or Brewers the best team? If they all put a best of seven five different times, who wins? I'm not sure you could guarantee me who's going to win out of that. They all have their pros and cons. But the main point is, is that when the Reds start to play this bad, it's going, to, it's going to cause a lot of people to get unbelievably frustrated because this is why I was pissed. I know the Reds probably aren't the team that they were when they, when they were playing the Braves earlier this year at home, but I know they're not the, the team that was playing the Pittsburgh Pirates on Sunday. Yep. Now, they found a way to win the second game, which is great. Season-saving, I do believe. But they were, they were abysmal. They were bad. And you know what? The biggest frustration was this, is that this team, we were all told and we've seen it with our own eyes for what felt like two months, the only thing this team needs is starting pitching. The only thing this team needs is starting pitching. If you can get the Reds starting pitching, then by God, nobody's going to stop us. We're going to win this division going away. If we can just get two or three good starters. Well, guess what? Since the All-Star break, the starting pitching has been excellent. Yeah, they might have had a hiccup uh, two nights in Chicago. But outside of that, they've been unbelievable. And, they've, and they still haven't been able to win. And that's probably the most frustrating part is because the thing that we thought we had isn't there. So for people that want to get upset and mad and up, you know, yell and scream about Nick Crawl not going out and getting people, this, that, and the other, I want to remind everybody that the thing that he was trying to go and get was starting pitching. That's what everybody was screaming for. Well, guess what? In a little bit of a way, starting pitching's not been the problem. It's not been the problem at all. So you can't sit here on one end and say they should have made moves. And then on the second end, realize that that's not even really the real problem in the first place. It's almost like maybe, and I'm not trying to defend Nick Crawl forever. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I genuinely won't do that. If I think that he makes a bad move, I'll genuinely say it. I don't have a, I don't have, I'm not stamping my flag into Nick Crawl and saying no matter what he does, I'm going to defend to no end because, because that's just what my identity is. No, I could give a damn. I could give a damn whether or not you call me a Nick Crawl guy or not a Nick Crawl guy. What I am going to say is what I think is the truth. Nick Crawl maybe, just maybe, knew that his franchise and knew his organization and knew his guys a little bit better than everyone else, he maybe thought, you know what? I just don't think we got it this year. I, I, and, I, and I know that maybe, maybe, I can't say that publicly, Nick Kroll can't come out to the press and go to see Trent Rosecrans or, 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 or Goldschmidt or whoever else, Goldschmidt, and say, we're, not, we're, we're probably not very good. We're just, we, we have one or two injuries away, and this offense is abysmal against right-handed pitching. A la, Will Benson gets hurt, Jake Fraley gets hurt, Jonathan India, again, I know I crushed him, but if Jonathan India goes down, there's, there's a little bit of a, what we would call paper-thin depth to this team. And that's okay, because they're all young. 
I put out a tweet yesterday and I said the brightest spots of this team are, and I'm going to try to do this live. I probably will miss somebody. The brightest spots on this team are McLean, number one for me, Andrew Abbott. I would say Diaz, who we have team control over for quite some time. After Diaz, I would say maybe Spencer Steer. After Spencer Steer, I'd say maybe Will Benson. You could, baseball. you could argue Will Benson's ahead of Spencer Steer, but Spencer Steer's been doing it for so long that it's, it's I don't know, whatever. It, it, that doesn't matter. TJ Friedel's been good. I know I'm going to miss people. I haven't even brought up Ellie. I've not even brought up Ellie. Mm-hmm. Haven't brought up, and CES has been a little bit of a disappointment, but I think he's been a disappointment because of all the other rookies have come up and done unbelievable things. And, and we had such high expectations for CES when he came up. I, again, I don't know if it's fair, but CES, he doesn't look unbelievably lost. He's come up with some big hits lately. How could you not look at this team and just say, you know what? For all the things that we were hoping for at the beginning of the year, and I'm not trying to change expectations. I'm just trying to be real. I'm trying to be somewhat realistic about this. You have to be thrilled to death as a Reds fan of what this franchise looks like now versus what it could have looked like. If Matt McClain came up and did not wasn't, wasn't great, if Ellie came up and looked lost, which at times he does, if Andrew Abbott never existed, these guys, we didn't even know. I mean, outside of Nick Kirby, many of us had no clue who many of these guys were. They all came up and they've all looked great. So I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to be this like, oh, Trace has a loser's mentality of saying, oh, everything's great no matter what. I'm just trying to be honest, trying to look at it from a, a 30,000 feet view above. And I'm, I'm very thankful about where the Reds are in, in retrospect of what they could be about the franchise moving forward. If this team doesn't win, and I say win is in win the division and or make the playoffs, Next year is a strong term. I'd say next year is fair to say that maybe they should, they should be right around the playoffs. But if, if, if in two years this team isn't doing what we all think they should be doing, which is winning divisions and or getting the wild card and winning a playoff series, then, then I will call it a failure. But I, I'm not doing that right now by saying they didn't go out and get guys because – and I get why people do that because they wanted, they wanted the cake. Like they, they, they got a little bit of a taste of the cake, what, about a month ago? And everyone was screaming to the moon because they wanted the whole cake. And the reality is, is I don't know if it was ever going to be available regardless because I don't know if we're that good this year. I don't know. Am I being too passive in saying that? No. I, you look back at the beginning of the season, I thought it was going to be a train wreck. So did everybody, I would say. But everybody didn't realize the rookies would come up and they'd play to major league caliber baseball. I mean, the, the rookies have come up and they've dominated the league. Uh, it's obviously slowed down now, but they did for a month stretch. So, no, I, I think that's correct. And I don't know what people – the Reds, during the trade deadline, and, and, and again, I get people wanting to compete, right? If you go out and get a couple guys, I get, that, I get that rationale. I get wanting to win now if you have the opportunity, which the Reds certainly did, do. The Reds still do have a chance to win this division. But does, does getting a starting pitcher at the deadline fix the, fix the issues of this team? Not they gave all. up 400 runs in Chicago. They had 10 errors that week. That doesn't fix anything. The, the bullpen, and again, I hate, to, I hate to keep bashing on the bullpen. They've played great all year. I still think this bullpen is terrible. Buck Farmer is not a good pitcher. Fernando Cruz is not a good pitcher. Daniel Duarte is not a good pitcher. Lucas Sims, not a good pitcher. You go down the line, they've pitched well. They've pitched well, but it doesn't mean these guys are great. Derek Law, bases loaded, two outs. You want Derek Law pitching? 
You want Derek Law to come in and get you a good out there? No, you don't. Alex Young, I love the guy. I love Alex Young. In a high-pressure high situation, you want Alex Young in there? Bases loaded, two outs? No, you don't trust him. I trust Alexis Diaz. That's it. And I hate to say it, I kind of trust Ian Jabot. Yes! I, I hate to say it, I kind of... I kind of The crumpets are getting to you. <laughs> pride of Great Britain, I kind of trust him. <laughs> but there are so many issues with this team. And again, I still think they're good enough to win the division. I do. But one starting pitcher at the deadline doesn't fix anything. Two starting pitchers at the deadline doesn't fix anything. I think there is going to be an overhaul this offseason. They're going to try to win... During the, uh, during the next season here, right? That's when we're going to go. If they don't go, I could be proven wrong. Because they are, fans are right. Ownership in Cincinnati hasn't cared. I mean, that's they, since 2000, they're the only Major League franchise without a playoff series advancement. They're the only franchise. Since 95. Horrible. 1995. Horrible. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. So, yeah, I, I kind of understand the rationale. But at the same time, one starting pitcher at the debt, Michael Lorenzen doesn't fix this. And I know people think, oh, the Reds definitely just went into the garbage can and said, let me find, oh, what is that? Sam Mole. Sure, we'll, we'll bring him to the team. And, and no, that's no disrespect to Sam Mole. It's kind of a little bit of disrespect. But it's like <laughs> they did kind of half-ass it. But they got a left-handed left reliever, which is what all I asked for. They got it. I, and, and that's fine. I, I don't think one starting pitcher, Justin Verlander, doesn't save this team. Michael Lorenzen doesn't save this team. Both of them don't save this team because you still have Kevin Newman throwing away balls at second base. You have Nick Senzel letting balls roll through his legs at third base. You have the, an, an outfield in Stuart Fairchild letting balls hit the ivy when he was right in his glove. No Stuart right? disrespect today. No Stuart disrespect. Sorry, I, I forgot about that. Not today. But this team is still far away enough to a point where – if you're at the deadline, teams know you're desperate. They're gonna, the, the asking price is high. Why, why are you risking everything for, for a team that needs a lot of help? Not just a little help, they need a lot of help. And I, don't think, I don't think fans in Cincinnati are ready to hear that, but it's okay. This, this was a 64 predicted win team. 64, Trace. Yeah, 64. And the thing that when we entered the season, when we entered the season, <laughs> yes. The one reason as to why people were taking the over, might I remind you, was because they had this big three. They had the big three. Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Graham Ashcraft. That was the reason as to why you thought you might take the over. Well, let me tell you. If I told you what the truth is about Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, and Graham Ashcraft, you would have thought this team might have won 50 games. So the idea of what we have versus what we could have is it, it is a positive outlook on things. You know what? Uh, you know what? It's not a positive outlook, and I don't know if you got a chance to see this sticking in Major League Baseball. I don't really want to get into too much of the weeds of this thing because I think it's obviously very serious. It can get very relatively heavy, and I don't really want to do that on this show all that much because I think many people probably come here to have fun and laugh and listen to Elliot have uh, ridiculous takes. Is that? <laughs> is that? Uh, I could only imagine being the marketing team yesterday for the Tampa Bay race. If you did not see it, uh, Wander Franco, he's in a little bit of a, what we would call a hot mess. Uh, there is social media swirling that he had a relationship with a minor, an inappropriate relationship, I might add. And... Nonetheless, Casey, I don't know if you can find this, but I want you to dig up on Twitter. I want you to pull up, for the people that have not seen this yet, I want you to pull up the promotional giveaways. You know how they do it, right? The marketing team comes up well in advance before the year starts. This, this decision was made probably in January of what are we going to give out to the fans? Now, in Tropicana Field, what's that? What team? I'm sorry, uh, Marlins? I, no, the Rays. I want Rays. you to look up the Rays uh, 
Franco giveaway. I'm sure it'll pop up on socials. You'll find it quickly. Here's the thing. Is that the Rays in and of himself, I'm not sure what that marketing team really has a chance to do. I don't know if you've ever been to a race game. <laughs> but you, you guys want to give Heritage Bank Center uh, a bad rap. And you know how, you notice how I gave them the right due respect name, by the way. The yeah, Heritage yeah. Bank Center, not the Heritage <laughs> Bank Arena. Okay? Heritage Bank paid a lot of money for that. No free ads. But they paid a lot of money, I'm sure, for that center. And they, they got it. But go ahead and put this up on the screen. Yep. Please do that. Wonder Franco, the snapback hat day, presented by Spectrum. Fans 14 and oh. under while supplies oh. last. Oh, no. Oh, God. That, that was broken oh, no. yesterday. Oh, no. The same day, I might add, that Wander Franco <laughs> has a rumor that seems to be more and more true by the minute that he had an inappropriate relationship with a 14-year-old girl. That, my friends, is bad luck. I mean, can you imagine being the marketing team yesterday and having to roll that out on social media? Could you imagine being at Ray's on Twitter? And by Twitter, I mean the X app. What, what kind of replies do you think that they were getting? I just, that's one thing I seen over the weekend. We'll go around the room and, and, and kind of do what you've seen over the weekend that made you laugh. But that's one thing I seen over the weekend that I thought, you know what, I'm having a pretty bad day watching the Reds play baseball. But I'm telling you right now, the person that's the admin at, at Rays is having, a, is having a worse day. Some call it worser. I like that term. I know it's not yeah. a word, but I like when people say, I have a worser day. If that turns out to be true, and God willing, it's not. I hope right. I pray Hopefully to, it's not. Pray to God it's not. If it is true, that's one of the worst things. I mean, that's a generational talent. And, and, it's, and again, that's not the highlight of the story. He did a horrible, despicable thing. But that would be one of the craziest stories in sports, to have a, a generational talent at age 22 end his career like that. That's brutal. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what comes out because no, no like, national beat writer has come out. like They're kind of beating around the bush of the story. <laughs> no, <laughs> what? You could have used any other, any other term. <laughs> would have been good there. <laughs> Trace, we're talking about minors here. What are you? What are you like giggling? Good. Continue, read. Continue, read. Jesus, Trace. Continue, read. No, but the but the writers, the writers that like like Jeff Passan just just is going out saying Wander Franco's not traveling with the team. The Rays are Wander Franco's not traveling with the team. No one is outward coming saying what the story is, even though we all know what the story is. So, yeah, we we pray it's not true. Pray it's not Pray true. Pray it's not true. Pray it's not true. That's that's it. It's it's just it seems like there's a lot of lot of lot of lot of cloudy area going on right now, and I'm I'm interested to see what how this story develops. I have no clue in the world how that even becomes a thing. I genuinely, I my brain can't. I if you're Wander Franco, like you have the world like right in the palm of your hand. Like how 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 are we getting to the point where that's even a consideration? And I'm not justifying that for anyone in the world, but certainly if you had to pick out of a hat of who the person would be that would do those types of acts and be a part of an associated at 22 years old, have relationships with someone that's 14 years old, Wander Franco is not the first guy that comes to mind. Like of all the people in the world, and I'm not just, when you have wealth like him and you have the, the, 
what I would assume opportunities that he has in his life. I just don't know how you get to that point. I really don't. I don't, I, I, I genuinely, I just, th- that almost goes to show you that it's a sincere, like psychological issue more than just an opportunity issue, if that makes sense. Because I think sometimes, and not to get into the weeds of this, cause I don't know if it's really appropriate for the show, but it, it's almost like you assume sometimes that the only reason that some people do that is because that's the best they can do is to prey on young people. That's not the case for Juan Franco. Yeah. So. Yeah, so the best thing I saw on, on Twitter <laughs> this week. No, actually, what's funny is, is uh, so I was watching game two of the Reds game last night, and obviously all that stuff happens with uh, the Buccos manager and the Buccos coaching staff. And John Sadak, I don't know if you guys noticed this. Watch this. I don't know if anyone else noticed this during the, the whole ordeal where the entire coaching staff got, got yanked from the, the game yesterday. John Sadak could not have been more annoyed during that whole ordeal, whole ordeal, do we have Bally Sports yeah, for like the three valid. four minutes that that went on? He just consistently was so mad at the Pirates manager, the Pirates pitching coach, the Pirates bench coach, at everything that was going on. And it's funny because the call wasn't even close; like it was the right call by a mile. Space is loaded. Here comes and here comes Shelton. Oh, he's if he hasn't yet been tossed, he's going to get tossed. He's out. And some more members of the coaching staff might go too. Uh, it is an animated scene in the dugout and up the steps. Trace, you said this is the Mike said the He appears to be genuinely interested in what he's saying. He's yeah, I, of all the things that you watch in this clip, my favorite thing is the umpire. I think that that's what they should teach an umpire in school. Like, he, he just stood there the whole time. Mm, okay. Yep. You ever done that to somebody? We've all done that to somebody, right? Like, you, you, you're just getting argued with. Maybe it was your it's parents when up. you were a teenager, it's and you're just close. you're just looking at him. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Noted. Nice. Yep. I heard you. I'll hey, take you care of that next time. My favorite thing is the very last thing he says to him. And he just drops it. Okay. making the face that you make when you get pulled over. And you've been going about 15 miles over the speed limit. And you're not really sure what else to say. So you just nod your head, yes. And he's getting another then you got, Then you got the bench coach. Don Kelly, the bench coach, is out. Who gets thrown out of the game I because of somebody else? Because I think Lentz had already pointed in the dugout and had tossed Kelly. And that was part of why Shelton came up the steps. And he's figuring, well, if I'm already ejected... So I have a funny little story to tell that I didn't really even tell these guys for the show that I just thought of when I was watching that clip. So there was a time where I had to run around summer baseball forever because my, uh, my stepdad coached pretty much baseball every, every uh, summer of my life. And I would run around like a little youngster would and be the bat boy at times. And then when I was tired of being the bat boy, I would just go to the concession stand, sit in the stands and things like that. Well, they're one of the games that I was being a bat boy. Uh, there was a guy that sat on the bench that was, uh, I don't really know what to call him. I guess we'll just call him like a team manager, somebody that just wanted to hang around the dugout when, uh, when they, I say we as in like when they played home games. Well, <clears throat> there was a game where the guy that sat in the corner, team manager, was chirping the umpire. And next thing you know, the umpire turns around, looks over, and he throws my stepdad out of the game. 
Same idea as what just happened. He's not the one that actually said anything. It was the team manager in the corner. Now, I want you to imagine how terribly the team manager guy probably felt because he just got the head coach thrown out of the game when he just he's there just to hang out in the dugout. For, most, for lack of a better term, he's there just to hang out in the dugout. Has no meaning to the team. Just got the manager, the head coach, thrown out of the game. So... You can imagine the, the, I guess, what would you call it? The anxiety that existed in the dugout for that guy. Never in my life have I seen a guy, because John Sadak said, hey, man, when you get thrown out, you're not coming back in. Well, not so fast in summer baseball, because what happened next was hilarious. The team manager guy walked to the edge of the dugout and said, I said it, I said it, I said it. And the umpire looked at him, and he said, you said it? And he said, yeah, I said it. Which is what happened yesterday in the game. One of those guys, I don't know if it was a, it was a starting pitcher or somebody from the, uh, the Pirates came to the edge of the dugout and said, I'm the one that said it, even though it wasn't the bench coach. Yeah. He said, I said it. Well, it doesn't matter in Major League Baseball. They don't do the reverse route. They did the reverse route in summer baseball of 2000 and something. Because he said, in the best line I've ever heard in my life from an umpire, he said, all right, you're back in, you're out of here. <laughs> and, and that actually happened right in front of my face when I was a bat boy. And I, 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 to this day, of all the things that have happened on the baseball diamond in my life, I vividly remember that moment because it was like, he looked right at that guy and said, you said it? And he said, yeah, I said it. He said, all right, you're out of here, you're back in. And just like that, everything was fixed. It's like, I know, I know they can't do that in Major League Baseball, but it seemed like that was probably the appropriate play because the, the bench coach who – you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have a little bit of feeling for a little bit, right? This bench coach has probably been dying, been waiting for his day yeah. to get a chance to to, to, to manage in the big leagues, yeah. right? He gets his chance. The, the 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 manager gets thrown out, and the next thing you know, some bastard standing just to his left or right gets him thrown out of the game, and he's so mad yeah. because he got a chance to manage in the big leagues. He went out and argued that it wasn't him for like five minutes. So long for John to say, well, what are we doing here, man? You got to go. <laughs> that was maybe my best line of the night for John Sadak. But yeah. Did, did you ever throw anybody? You used to umpire games. I never threw one guy out and I did it on purpose. You threw one guy out and you did it on purpose? No, no, no. I, oh, never, never, I never threw a guy out. Oh. I think as long as you keep it relatively, you know, not in incredibly disrespectful. I don't mind people chirping me. I don't mind it. I think that it's a it's an okay thing. I, in fact, there was one day where um, I'd give it back to people. I would, and I I know I mean that's obviously a little bit of my personality, but I I would give it back to them sometimes. I, they would come out and they'd argue balls and strikes or whatever, and in between innings, I'd walk over and I'd say, You're, you, "How sure are you that you think that that's a ball?" And I don't think it's a ball. I mean, <laughs> who do you think has a better view? And, you know, sometimes you do miss calls. I mean, I'm sure you've had umpires that tell you. In the, in the, you know, I would immediately tell an, a catcher or the hitter if I missed a call about a half a second after I missed it. Because you just know. You, you, got, you either get frozen sometimes or you just you make a quick instinct decision that you just instantly regret. And looking back on it as an umpire, you wish there was like this protocol that you could kind of just switch it. Because... Because you want to get it right, but you also have this weird unwritten rules of baseball where you just can't change it. It's like once you made the call, you're like, you got to ride it out. And then you hope you hope that the, the right outcome happens. Like say, say you miss like a strike three as an umpire and you call it a ball. 
Yep. You're like, and then you're just like, man, I messed that up. Now all you're praying is that you get a chance to ring this guy up again or he gets out and someone doesn't hurt anything. That's the only thing you're hoping for. And then if they put the ball in the gap, you're just like, shit, I, I messed that one yep. up. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. That is a very, very true thing when you're umpiring. There are times where, you know, and I, I'd like to think that I didn't miss many, of course, like most, but um, that's one thing that if I have a chance to maybe do that again in my life. You liked it? I did like it. I thought I was very good at it. And I'm not, I'm not, I mean, obviously everyone thinks that. I, th I genuinely think that I was really good at that. I, you umped a lot of my games. I don't remember. I don't remember if you were good or bad. So <clears> yeah. Well, if you don't remember, you know what they say about people that's you don't good. remember. Yeah. Right. That's, that means you're a good umpire. What was your call? What was your strike three call? Were you an arrow guy? Mm, yeah, I did. I threw it up and then pulled it back. Yeah. yeah. All right. I did, but but I didn't make a big scene about it. The only thing that I remember vividly that I did that I thought was funny when I umpired was this. There was a again summer baseball. You have teams in summer baseball that that uh, there are some teams that have what I would call a good program, and then there's some teams that get put together really quickly. Probably I would assume throughout a summer, and the next thing you know, you got a bunch of guys that probably don't really play baseball a lot that decided they wanted to play baseball, and you have a head coach that doesn't really know a lot about baseball. Um, and there was, a, there was a game where the guy kept complaining about the baseballs. He kept complaining about the baseballs. Now, mind you, the tournament provides the baseballs. All the baseballs are the same. It's not like you walk up to the game and then the one team gives you three balls like and the other team gives you three balls. Yeah. yeah, it's not like that. It's not like where you have a mixed bag of balls. Yeah. No, you don't. You have the same baseball for every single team. So the guy's coming out. He's like, "These balls, they're 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 mushy." And I remember looking at the guy. They were getting their tails kicked in. I remember looking at the guy. Funniest thing I've ever ever said. I looked at him and I said, "It might be mushy because you're losing seventeen to one," <laughs> <laughs> which is which is not a nice thing to say no, in the moment. And at that point, I pissed that guy off so bad, <laughs> so bad. That I that I that I left him in the game. He tried to get thrown out. He 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 argued every single thing in the world, and then he was walking down there and he asked me something like he said he said something along the lines so you can't be this bad. I said, listen, man, if you're trying to get thrown out, just know you're not going to get thrown out. If you have to be miserable in this sun, you're going to be miserable with me. <laughs> and I left it at that, and he went back to his dugout, and that was the end of that. So I don't know. I I genuinely do wish. I know people think that I'm crazy for saying this. And I, I think maybe if there's anything in life that would happen, if we can get, and I say big enough at Chatterbox, but if we can get big enough at Chatterbox to be able to go do stupid things that people like want us to go do, I would love to go to a minor league and or a spring training. Minor league can't be because it's too serious, but a spring training game. And let me just call like two. I just want to call two innings behind the plate. I want to see what I get on the box. I want to know how good I am. And I, I'd be venture to say that it would be better than people would expect. What's, what's crazy about umpires is, is, like, I remember being in college. I played at a bad D3 school. And the umpires we would have would, would run the gamut of so many different levels. Like, the umpires we had would, down in Florida, would not only do D3 games, they'd be doing, like, Big Ten games, and they'd be doing minor league games. And it's just, it's just crazy that, the, that the, the leagues run the gamut that far. Like, you are, you're just an umpire, and you're yeah. just like, you wake up, and you're like, oh, I've, I've got... Uh, Alabama versus LSU today, and then I've got Bluffton versus Mount St. Joe's tomorrow. Like no, it's that just, is very it's, true. It's crazy how that happens for for umpires. That is true. Uh, Mr. Mose asking the question: Why I never understood, I never understood the term "blue" as offensive. I don't think "blue" is offensive. I think that's just the term that's been used for umpires. I don't think it's I still offensive. Call it blue. Yeah, it's a blue, and it's just because the blue shirt that they wear. Well, my my whole, my college coach would yell at us if we called him blue. He's like, because they would wear black. 
And he's like, yeah. why are you calling him blue? They're wearing black. And I was <laughs> just like, all right, sorry, sir, sir. So we had to call him sir. And I was just like, James, come on. Jimmy, what are we doing here? I call every referee blue. It, basketball, football, it doesn't matter the sport. I just call him blue. I, every single sport, I call him blue. Which sport do you think is the worst referees? It, objectively, umpires, referees, officials, whatever you want to call it. I still think, I still think at this point, MLB home plate umpires are still the worst. Well, they do the I, most. Yeah, they do the most. They, they do the most. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, we're gonna change your mind on that. I don't believe that's the case. Okay. I think it's the hardest. There's no doubt about NFL's that. NFL's the hard. NFL's the hardest. What? What? Yeah, it is. There's yeah, like there's eleven. So, there's like eleven of them out there. They got like right. one they got responsibility. One there's right. so much going on though. The NFL's the hardest. <laughs> I NBA, NBA's. You could argue NBA is the worst. Yeah, not definitely. a lot going on there. But MLB, I would say college basketball has the worst. College players. basketball has, has the worst. The, has the worst by a mile. Angel, but that guy that does the high knees, he's electric. No, but I think no, he's not. Oh, Angel baby. Hernandez, dude. Angel Hernandez missed twenty calls in that Yankees game this weekend. Twenty. Missed the, twenty. The calls. job's the hardest, right? Like it's 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 it'd be like saying base professional baseball players are the worst at their jobs because they succeed the least. It's the hardest sport to call. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it is the hardest. It, I, that's the one thing that I always think that the strike zone, if there's been one invention that's made the viewership of baseball a little bit better, but also has made, made it, it to different. where it's, it's, made, it's it made it different. It's all it's made it to where everybody just 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 wants to argue balls and strikes all the time because they have that square in yeah. the damn zone. And I genuinely don't believe I don't believe that square is accurate. Like I just it's, I don't think that it is. If you look at it before the before the uh, before the hitter steps in, or I guess after the hitter steps in, and you and you analyze where the actual lines are in in, in uh, relation to kind of like right below the letters, right, or the belly button, yeah, whatever whatever zone you want to go off of to just below the shallow of the knees, they're off. Like the, yesterday, there was a Pirates hitter that came up there, and the top of the zone was literally the guy's belt buckle, and I'm like, yeah. I just don't think that that's actually where it should be now. I do think StatCast is accurate. I do think that, like, the actual real – I just don't think the TV setup is perfect yet, which makes yeah. you – when every time you see a meaningful 2-2 pitch or a 2-1 pitch, you know, uh, miss by this much on the outside corner, it's like – we're talking fractions of an inch here. Yeah. I, well, you see it I – I think they got ejected. It was Luke Maley who, who was the batter – Luke Maley's strike zone is crazy. It's because he he stands up straight. He's a he's a big guy in general. He stands up straight. So that zone, the top of that zone's at the belt buckle. It's right above the belt buckle for Luke Maley because of how of, because how he sets up at the plate. So what we're seeing is not accurate. I think some of the worst calls this season on the Reds have been against Luke Maley only because we think it's like four inches above the zone. It's not. It's it's in his zone, but the TV box is so far down because of where he's standing. Yeah. So that, that point is correct. The, the TV strike zone is, is not accurate. Yeah, the, the strike zone is kind of a vague thing anyway. Like, it, it, it has a letter of the law, but it's right. kind of a thing that you can't imagine an actual zone. You just kind of got to be there, right? Like, to, to actually personify the zone. And, and the, the computer does the best job it can, but you're right. I'm, I'm with you guys. It's, it's, it's not perfect by any no. stretch of the image. And I think that the biggest thing that most people ask for, you hear it across officiating all the time, is what? You want it to be consistent. I think that if a guy misses a pitch, you know, and he can't be missing pitches by six inches, mm -hmm. but if he misses a pitch by one inch all game long on the outside corner, the inside corner, whatever term you want to use, or up or down, I'm, I'm okay with living with that. I genuinely am. As long as it's consistent, as long as it's like, hey, he's been given this pitch all game long, 
then I think that's just, again, that's part of what we've come to understand with baseball. Do I think it should be like, you know, again, six inches down, a strike? He's been, he's been consistently calling that a strike all day long. Yeah. No, no. At that point, you're losing the integrity of the game because it's just impossible to hit certain pitches. Yeah. But I think that we're way too hard on umpires. I really do. I, 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 I think that they're actually really, really good. It's just that it's just that we get to we get to see every single pitch and there's a little red or not red but there's a little dot that comes after every pitch that lets us know whether we think that they called it right or wrong and I don't know if that's always true anyways I really don't know if it's true I'd like to see maybe if there's a and I know no one's done this but I'd like to see the percentage of the time where the TV broadcast strike zone matches up with what actually Statcast has yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't and I know that's not a thing because who in the hell is going to take their time to figure that out? What's the <laughs> point? What's the point? You come out at the end of the year and you're like, well, 20% of the time the TV broadcast was off. You just spent like 175 hours worth of work and yeah. then every single collect per person collectively is going to be like, oh, that's interesting for about two and a half seconds and then they're going to move on. Well, it's so much easier to get angry about stuff where you don't actually know the answers and you don't want to find out the answers. That's why people don't. That's it's fair. just easier to get mad. It's just easier to get mad. The, the, is there a worse baseball take then when like certain certain guys will go like it doesn't matter how the catcher catches the ball or frames the ball it's it's worth because technically they're right like what the catcher does should have no determination on whether it pitches a ball or a strike but the simple fact of the matter is it does it very much does you've umped if a ball is caught between a catcher's shoulders it looks a hell of a lot more like a strike than if he catches it like this regardless of if it crosses the plate or not it very much matters how good a catcher is in terms of keeping the ball in the center of his body. Yes, I think that's the biggest point that I would always argue as to why I don't think Tyler Stevens is a good catcher. Because every single time that you bring up the whole framing thing, the very first thing someone wants to bring up is, well, this wouldn't be a thing if there wasn't robo-umpires. Well, is that, is, that, is that really the saving grace for Tyler Stevenson, is that we need robo-umpires? Well, what does that say about you as a catcher? Yeah. It says everything you need to know. The only thing that I would agree with in general terms with those, those arguments is that there are certain times where I would like the, the umpire to not be fooled by a great catcher. I can live with the idea of, of missing a strike every so often because the catcher is just all over the place back there. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I don't believe in at least that I didn't have, I don't, and I don't make it sound like I didn't ever have a problem, but like the one thing that I don't feel like I ever really got fooled on a ton is pitches that were significantly out of the zone that guys would try to like bring back or frame. The, I, the arm, the arm stuff that catchers do doesn't. I, I really don't think the arm stuff. Maybe at the bottom of the zone when you could like flick your wrist up a little bit just to to show the bottom line. But like when they're doing this stuff and this stuff, that don't mean shit. It's all about being able to sway and keep the ball in the center of your body and not having to reach across. Correct. You 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 present it as the pitch not being nearly as far out or far right. in as it looks or appears because you're just smooth enough to be able to slightly go over and catch the ball in the middle of your zone. The one thing that I do remember, at least in my mind as umpires, that I've also brought up with, with Tyler Stevenson is it's really tough to umpire behind a big catcher. It really is. Like, yeah. and sometimes big catchers have the ability to kind of, and I say big as a not no six five like Tyler Stevenson, like but like, wider guy. Yeah, yeah. They have the ability to get low and be smooth enough to not really like get in your way, mm -hmm. to where Tyler Stevenson feels like he's just clanky back there. He just looks clanky, looks really big, and it's like, 
Watch the Pirates catcher, which I know that's not fair because the Pirates catcher is really, really good. But even Luke Maley is a bigger guy. Yeah. He's, he, we watch the game. He's so much more calm, cool, and collected back there and smooth. And I do think, to be fair to Tyler, I think he's gotten better. I just think at 26 years old, you are who you are. You're not, you're not changing your stripes. Correct. Correct. Do we think that – so I, I think we're all in agreement that at some point robo-lumps are coming to major leagues. Is that going to take away the art of the defensive catcher in terms of like – you don't – like the guys that frame the ball, it, it won't be needed anymore. You're simply – you still got to call the game. I guess the pitchers call the game now, right? The pitchers yeah. call, call Some of them game. do. Do you like that? I think – do you like that? I always told pitchers when I caught – so there, there are certain catchers that are like, I call the game and stuff like that. I always told the pitchers that I want you to be like – I want you to be confident in what you're going to throw – so if I call something, even though I think it's wrong, if you immediately go like, I don't want to throw that here. If I force you to throw that pitch, it's going to be a bad pitch. Right. So I want you, like, I'll, I, I'm just the suggestion box. Like, here, I'll throw a curveball here. Okay, that sounds good. I'll throw the curveball. Slider here. Eh, I don't want to throw a slider. Shake me off. But, so, I, so I don't care either way. But I, I'm serious. When, when robo-umps come, are we going to stop putting a premium on defensive catchers? I still don't think it's going to go away because, like you said, the instinct is already there. You're going to do it the way you've been doing it for 20 years, 15 years, right? But we, the, the so thing I, is, I, is you don't need to anymore. Yeah, but I don't think that stops anybody from doing it, right? I, I don't think that's going to stop a good defensive catcher from still doing it. Well, I'm just saying, just, like, well, I'm not – you're he's right. Saying, he's saying, saying, he's saying does it matter? Like, as, as, like, as a oh, team, should you value it? Yeah, I would like say Tyler that Stevenson, it doesn't matter as much, but the only problem with Tyler Stevenson is the pass balls. Like, at some point, right. defensive catching still requires you to not let guys get free 90. Uh, as in free 90 being 90 feet, uh, free bag. Yes. Um, he does that far too often. And then you gotta, you gotta be able to throw guys out. I, I mean, at, at a decent clip, you know, are you just going to start having guys with cannons behind there and you just tell them like, Hey, we need a big guy with a cannon. Yeah. Cause like a right, like a the... right fielder that may have never caught before. <laughs> right. Like literally just say like, Hey, just stand in front of the ball. If it goes in the dirt, get to your knees, just put your body in front of it. And when a dude starts running on you, we need you to throw it like hell. But the, the art of calling games, the art of dealing with pitchers, the art of framing pitches, that might go the, the way. It might go out of the game. Yeah, it could. It could. Um, what else do we see from this weekend? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what. What? You talk about, like, umpires getting a bad rap. Is there – the manager in baseball, I feel like that job – gets the worst rap I've ever seen. Maybe just because we're in Cincinnati and David Bell just gets beaten down every night. David Bell, again, what he's done this season has earned him a three-year contract. It's earned him that. He didn't just get it because the Reds don't want to pay somebody else, somebody with an actual name or you know a better career. He's earned that. He's earned it, right? What he has implemented with this team, how he's dealt with the bullpen, how he's figured out platooning guys what he's done has put the reds in a position to win the nl central last night or yesterday all of yesterday that there was a double header david bell got the worst spite i've ever seen david bell get and, and as my time as a reds fan just he just got beaten down trace you talked about it a little bit and i'm not saying all his moves were right right i i i'm not saying that it's you know you're gonna make a couple wrong moves every once in a while if you're a manager in a, in a baseball game but david bell has certainly done more good than bad in a reds uniform and, and, and people saying he should be fired. He doesn't know how to manage the bullpen. The bullpen isn't good, and he's made them phenomenal. The bullpen isn't good, and all of these guys have sub-four ERAs because David Bell knows when to use them. Now, it didn't work yesterday. It failed miserably yesterday. It failed with Lucas Sims, Alex Young, that situation. It was bad. 
right? He, sometimes he pulls guys too early, but that's not a David Bell thing. That's an analytic thing that's been going around all of Major League Baseball for 10 plus years. So I think David Bell is a fine manager. Everybody can calm down regarding David Bell. How much do we, I think you and um, Kirby had an argument about this, about how much do we think the manager actually makes the decisions nowadays? Because there's, there's a reason that all these teams are hiring young, you know, no experience managers is because these, these teams are, these front offices are tired of having headstrong managers that have been around the game for 40 years. And they, they implement this young guy, this former player, and just say, hey, you're going to be the face of the team. We call the shots. We give you the team. We, we, if you've seen Moneyball, him talking with uh, Howe and saying, this is how I want the lineup to be today. I think that happens. I truly think that happens. I mean, that's, I mean, not to talk about the Cubs all the time, but that's exactly why Joe Madden's gone and they put in David Ross is because they just wanted a guy to be the mouthpiece for the front office. I think that's what David Bell is to Nick Kroll. I think that the decision-making is very slim for the actual manager. Maybe when to bring guys in mid-game, but I wouldn't even put it past front offices to, to tell you, hey, we want this guy to throw in this situation now. Yeah, I mean, the only pushback would be Bruce Bochy. Yeah, Bruce Bochy, yeah. I He's mean, the guy, the guy, the Rangers were the Rangers, and then Bruce Bochy came in and was like, all right, boys, I've done this before. This is what we're no going to do, no and doubt. here we go. And next thing you know, they win. And uh, the, But is the, he the exception or the rule? That's a great, that's a great question. I, 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 I see both sides of this. I understand why people get upset with David Bell. I understand the people that defend David Bell. I think that people are going to go crazy when you say that David Bell's done more good than bad as a Reds manager. He has. Um, I understand the point of it. The only other side of it is that you'd like to think that if it's just it's just merely a spreadsheet and it's just a statistical decision every single time, then it does make the manager's role a little less what seems useful. The only thing that you could argue to that counter that point would be the, the, the role of the manager in their job has shifted from X's and O's to just managing and trying to create a culture within a clubhouse. And that's more or less your job, not so much, Hey, you need to bring this guy in, move that guy, do this, do that. So if it's just merely, Hey, if this situation arises, we're doing this every time. I don't give a damn whether or not you think this guy looks good, whether you think that you know something better than that person. We don't care. Our nature of what we do here is statistical driven. You're going to bring in the lefty to face the lefty. You're going to bring in this righty if he's got bad splits against righties. And that's part of it. David Bell operates more times in that area than he does of the, hey, I'm going to feel this out and see how it goes. I yesterday felt like at some point somebody has to make the decision that if this bullpen that has been continued to ask time and time and time again to come into high leverage situations and get you out of it. It's almost like I don't want to wake the sleeping giant, which I know it's, it's, that's a really dumb thing to say about the Pirates offense. But in a way, that's kind of how I felt yesterday when I was watching that game. It's like, let's not, let's not, wake, the, let's not wake him up. Because sometimes, to be honest, and you've played, sometimes there's just a guy that you're not seeing that well that day and you'll do anything for them to come out of the game. You're just like, let's just get this guy out of here. And sometimes that's a strategy that you have before you even go into a game sometimes in college baseball. It's like, this guy's really good, guys. Let's see if we can't get him to 90 to 100 pitches within the fifth inning and then we'll try to win the game from the fifth inning on because this guy sucks. We don't want to face this guy. Even though 
He might not be supposedly the best, but on that specific day, these guys are Major League Baseball players. They've gotten to the Major Leagues because they've been elite at their one said job for a really long, long time. Brandon Williamson was elite yesterday. I'm not taking him out just because he gave up one walk to a guy in the sixth inning just because I think statistically they're coming through the lineup for the third time, et cetera, et cetera. And can I take a step back and agree that, yeah, you know what, if you're going to manage that way, you manage all the time that way, and statistically over the course of a full year, it might make a difference? Yes, I understand that point. But I also like, would like the idea that I don't want to hear about, well, he was going to come out he was going to come out of the game anyways. You just So you're basically saying that in the sixth inning when Lucas Sims ended up giving up a walk, by the way, let's not forget that. So we were fortunate. If everything would have gone statistically the, the exact way it was supposed to, Lucas Sims would have just got the guy out right when he came in, but he didn't. He walked people because you know why? Because he's been walking a lot of guys lately. I don't know. Weird. But anyways, <laughs> let's just say, for instance, he did get out of that inning. So now you're making the argument to me that, okay, well, all is even, all is lost. It doesn't matter. It was a good decision. Why is it that Brandon Williamson, 100%, no matter what, had to come out of that game in the seventh inning just because he was going to be at 92 pitches? He legitimately was rolling. If there was ever a time in the world that Brandon Williamson was going to pitch late into a game, it felt like it was yesterday. Yeah, I just don't think that's a David Bell call. Reed has alluded to it. They have the numbers. They have the stats. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what every team does. There's... To what, two teams in Major League Baseball that still does it the old-fashioned way? Maybe. So it's like, I, I, I think that, that did, as, what was that? <laughs> Casey loses ring? Are Casey you married anymore? Rings. Are you not married? Um, I'm married still. Oh. I'm still married. No, but I just like, a lot of the decisions are predetermined. Bell just decides when to do it. And he, and, and yeah, it didn't work out yesterday. But Jolly Jolly, a good friend of the program, he said, he, he pointed out David Bell's atrocious record. Jolly Jolly, have you ever tried to win a game with Michael Papirsky, Alejo Lopez, Aristides Aquino? Uh, I don't know who else was on that terrible team last year. With a, bull a bullpen anchored down by fat Tony Santion, respectfully. Like, it's just like he had the worst team ever assembled last year. The record's not going to be where you want it. Of course it's not. He has a winning record this year. They were predicted 64 wins. What else do you want this guy to do? I don't think he could do anything uh, more correct. I, I, it just sucks. It sucks. It, and he has, he's been complimented zero times this year. Zero. If they win, it's because of the players. If they lose, it's because of David Bell. That's a fact. Well, that's part of the reason of – that's part of – That's a fact. That's part of being a, a, new, a new manager. Until managers have to prove themselves Correct. for way longer than players do to get the benefit of the doubt. And Zach Taylor-esque is what David Bell is that, right well, that's, I was, that was If gonna, Zach Taylor, he's got to do it for like four more years before you even give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. He still has not earned that benefit of the doubt. When players, it doesn't take that long. Yeah, when You've Zach got, Taylors are running end arounds on fourth and four at the goal line, right? You don't love the play call by Zach Taylor. But the, 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 the locker room, the clubhouse, the atmosphere, the chemistry, everything evolved in this team matters from that aspect, right? There is, I know Trace hates to say it, but there, are, there is a leader of the team, right? You have to have a good morale. If, if, if Trace came in here and he traded Reed to Penn Station and he traded Casey to Gold Star Chili and I came in here by myself, it's not a good clubhouse atmosphere. I'm in trouble. So I don't like coming to work, and that's where we go. But if, if David Bell's going to come out there and the, and the, and the guys in the, in, the, in the clubhouse like him, right, if, and he brings this fire back to Cincinnati that we really haven't felt in probably two decades, right? I don't think I've felt this way about a Reds team in, 
in all of my life. I don't know about Trace. He's way older than me, significantly older. So he, maybe he could, he, could, he could maybe say something about that. But I, I think this is the most excited I've ever been. I think David Bell is absolutely a large part of the reason. Uh, it's not a Brian Price situation. Brian Price came in here, dropped about 200 F-bombs in that one interview, lost every game from uh, every game in, in March and April, right? It's not a Brian Bryce situation. David Bell's done a good job. He's done a good job. I know fans don't like all the decisions. I get it. Yeah. But at some point, the, I, play, the players have to play good. I, the players have to play good. And if the players aren't going to play good, it's not on David Bell. I players think, win, coaches lose. I think, I think the Reds need a little more personality out of the manager. I think they should fire David Bell and hire Barry Larkin. Can we, can we be honest with ourselves <laughs> with this? Has there ever been? I, 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 make, I, I don't know. Uh, let's do this. Can we do a poll question, Casey? Let's yeah. do a poll question. Poll question of the day. Has there been anybody? And I want to, I, I'd like to see in the replies or in the comments on the chat, I'd like to know right now if you can think of anybody that you think would fit this narrative more than, uh, more than Barry Larkin. Has there ever been anyone in the history of civilization that has been as great as their first job and as bad as their second job as Barry Larkin. Let's call a spade a spade here. Pete Rose. Let's call a spade a spade. Michael Jordan. As good as good as good of a player as Barry was. I think he's equally as bad as a broadcaster. I think they threw him to the Wolves too. I don't know if this is Barry's fault. I really don't know if this is Barry's fault. This almost seemed like something that somebody coaxed to Barry, but like they were like, "Hey, Barry, you'd be great in the booth. Let's get you up there. You're you're so knowledgeable about baseball." And Barry's just like, "Ah, oh, yeah, all right." And then they came at him with a little bit of coin. They came at him with a little bit of like some trades. They get they're getting him some like maybe he's getting some free cars or something. And next thing you know, Barry's like, "All right, I'll do it. I'm only doing home games though." And they're like, "All right, deal." <laughs> And boy, oh boy, is that not going well? It's just, it's just bad. I don't know who, who does any, does he know he's bad? Does, does well, someone told him he's bad? It's hurting his reputation in the city. He's I, a beloved Cincinnati Red, and it's hurting his his reputation. Listen, I, the kid's from Cincinnati, played for this team his entire life, and now everyone in the fan base hates listening to him talk. What are they doing? Yeah, I, and I've been waiting to say something on this because I know Trace loves Sadak and everybody loves Sadak and Sadak's the, the prince that was promised here in Cincinnati. But I, I watch these broadcasts and, and Barry Larkin comes on and he has a frown on his face and he just mumbles in the most uh, mundane words, the most, the most boring sentences. Yeah, John, that's really good. I, man, maybe they should be better. It's just like, I, I mean, speak with a little pep. I mean, just get excited once for me, Barry. Get pumped once. <laughs> Ellie De La Cruz just hit a cycle, Barry. He hit a cycle. <laughs> and what are you doing, Barry? You're not doing anything. Yeah, John, that was pretty good. I look back in my Let's major get league. I, I look back in my major league career and I thought that was really good. You know, you compare it to the other guy. Barry! Speak! Speak, Barry! And it's again, I, I respect Barry. He's a Reds great. Everybody loves him. Blah 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 blah. He's a bad broadcaster. He can't be in the booth. I, it makes me honestly it, 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 I mute Reds games. Is that, is, that, is that something that I can admit now? I mute, I mute my TV. I listen to the radio broadcast. I'm sorry. I do. I, I think they're way better on the radio. I, I do. I think that. I'm sorry. But Barry Larkin's just bad. He's bad. He's bad in the booth. I can't listen to it anymore. He's a boring guy. He's a boring man. I, I get what he did for the city. I'm, I'm very appreciative. You won an MVP. Good for you, Barry. I love you. You're very good. You're very, very good. Your son played great basketball at Miami. Won me a couple bets there. Shout out Shane. But it's just not good. It's not going well. 
Give 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 cowboy both jobs. Give give cowboy, the cowboy man. both jobs. Wouldn't man, that be electric great. if they? It, well, here's an idea. Why don't they save some money? They're into saving money in these broadcast situations, right? Why don't they save some money and just decide at Bally this would be a good, maybe a good ploy for them? And by the way, this isn't any, uh, this isn't going against Sadak. I think if anything, you could slide Sadak in the booth with uh, with Tommy every so often, and they could kind of rotate around. But why not just keep Chris and the Cowboy, and maybe Sadak and Thrall, and then do the radio call. And then they can just siphon the radio call like you can on MLB TV, but we're not going to do MLB TV because we're going to do that. We're just going to put that straight into Bally Sports, and there won't even be anyone in the booth. It won't even be anyone there. It's just going to be like pulled from over there. Now, it's going to be tough doing graphics packages and things like that. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> but, but you know what? The hell with it because I've watched enough Bally Sports Ohio games to where, you know, do they do a better job in Chatterbox Sports? Yes. Do they have a lot more money than Chatterbox Sports? Yes. But I got to be honest, if I have to continue – to see ad packages, and I say ad packages, I, I mean uh, promo packs. If I have to see packs in general, highlight packages, running over top the baseball game that I'm trying to watch, yeah. it, I can't under, I, I, I just don't understand why it's so hard to make sure that I can watch the game. If a ball's hit down the right field line, I like the camera operator every so often to pan, <laughs> to pan down the right field line. But there's times this year where I just wonder. What the hell is going on? Is the ship completely sink at well, Bally? I think it's gotten worse too. I think there have been I want to say twenty plus baseballs. They phoned it in. Twenty. Yeah, I think they have. Well, they don't have any money. I mean, aren't they bankrupt? They, they have are, money. Yeah, I mean, this is this is their last year, so. Right? Yeah, I mean, I guess they saved the worst for last. So I, you watch these broadcasts, and it's like it's a routine fly ball to shallow right field, and you think this ball is in space. Yeah, they you think came this ball is on the moon. Bad. Did you get it? I mean, I, I, I. I, I it's horrible. It's a bad broadcast, and I, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry to say that. Sadak, you do a good job sometimes. Uh, John Sadak. But it's the camera operators are bad. So do I think they do a better job than Chatterbox? No, I do not. Well, it's well, to be debated. You remember Tom told stories about when he was over in Chicago? Um, he would be doing TV for WGN, I believe, and Harry Carey obviously would be calling the games on the radio. He said that sometimes they would, like, change during the game. I think that would be interesting to see the broadcast like say that like he he would do three inning like Tom would do three innings on radio then he'd do three innings on TV and they'd just switch with Harry Carey all the time. That'd be so interesting to like see that happen during a game like you're listening to Tommy Thrall for the first three innings and all of a sudden yeah. they switch on over to John Sadak. Yeah. I don't even know how you do that. I, I I think they would hate that. I think the the broadcast themselves right. would hate it. But no, nobody's stock has risen more this year than Chris Welsh. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 I think they were trying to get they were there's no doubt in my mind they were trying to get Chris Welsh or they were trying to shove him out the door. It felt like that's at least how it felt like. It's how it was perceived to me. They had him doing the the, the Reds lives. They they were yeah. doing they make him do the post game shows. They were like, hey, on opening day, by the way, you've been doing this for 15 years. Here's <laughs> yeah. your job this year. You're just gonna go over there and stand next to a bunch of drunks that are slamming their hands up against the table, and you're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to have a coherent thought for the next 25 minutes when the game's over. And you know what? He did it with class. He did it with grace. And I think as time grew on, many people probably already knew this, but many people thought, man, Chris Walsh is actually pretty damn good at his job. Maybe we should keep him around, especially when a guy, we got a guy that genuinely goes minutes. There's times where John Sadak <laughs> throws it to Barry, throws it to him. He sets him up with something. He gives him something to puts play off of. Puts he it puts it on a tee for Barry and Barry says nothing. He says nothing at all. It's almost like Barry gets frozen. You know, the, the, my favorite thing, I want you to listen to this uh, the next time the Reds play and Barry's doing a broadcast. 
the one thing that Barry does that you that, that is actually hilarious when you start to like pay attention to it is when they send it to break and the color guy is supposed to supposed to supposed to send it off, you know, like they're supposed yeah. to be like, you know, it's, it's a home run by Tyler Stevenson. We know that's a joke, but it's a home run by Tyler <laughs> Stevenson and the Reds lead four to two. We'll be back in just a minute or whatever it is. Perry is so late <laughs> to the punches on those. I mean, they're running the highlight reel and they're like, you know, the music when yeah. it's like, it's like the music is like, dun, 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 dun. And then like, they're, they're trying to get off air, but they're just, yeah. they're just like hanging around. They'll be waiting four or five seconds longer for Barry, like to finally get through his like little boring monologue that he's giving. <laughs> and then, and then they finally cut the commercial and you're just like, what the hell was that? It's like, Barry is struggling. <laughs> Barry's tough. I mean, it's just Barry's. Tough. How, so this is, will be officially the last year of this, right? A Bally? Uh, yes. Sadak yeah. will, I imagine, will keep calling games, but yeah. I, I, I mean, think they're hired by the Reds. The Reds. Yeah. Oh, they are. The broadcasters. Broadcasters are hired, by the, hired Reds. by the Reds. Oh, okay. All right. Then never mind. Okay, we might see Barry back next year. I guess. I don't know, man. If it, if I was Barry, I'd ask for out. I'd ask. To, I'd ask to opt out. I mean, the, the personalities couldn't be more different between Barry Larkin and John Sadak. John Sadak's talking about like what Star Wars character could come up there and hit a home run. And Barry's like, yeah, when, when I was in my MLB career, I, I compare Ellie to one of my best friends. And then he just goes on this boring monologue. It's just terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible. But you know what? The Reds the Reds were good for a long period of time. Sadek had his fun. We're all having fun. Danny Graves was brought up by Jim in the chat. Danny Graves is great. Danny Graves was good. There's Sam, options. Sam Listen, LeCure. Sam LeCure is great. Sam LeCure was pretty good. Yeah. Sam LeCure is good. There's options. Barry, you know, for as much people as they want to make about uh, society and how there's nepotism and all those things, there's not, and I mean this sincerely, there is not a greater, more impactful point that you could make when trying to argue that there's nepotism in this world than Barry Larkin being in the booth. <laughs> and th this man has done nothing in a broadcast booth that has earned him the right to be a broadcaster. He's done nothing in that profession at all. He's gotten a chance at the job. He's done his job for how many ever months he's done his job at, and I mean when I tell you he's not he's not been very good he's just not been very good and that's okay that's the thing that pisses me off about it and that's what Reed was trying to say it's like why do we have to act like it's like like it's okay just because it's Barry Larkin's like Barry Larkin had an unbelievable baseball career we all should love Barry Larkin yeah but we can also admit that he's not very good at his job currently and that's okay because he probably in my opinion got shoved into it I really do think that he got like got he got so much peer pressure to, to do that job and everyone around Barry, let's be honest, probably told Barry that he was going to be unbelievable at yep. it, right? Yep. And then he got in it, he did the job, and I bet you, I would be willing to bet you still that people say that he's unbelievable at that job. Yeah, he's got, I, his brother's pretty good. His, like, brother, his brother's great. Yeah, his brother's Byron's, pretty good. Byron's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, Ellie De La Cruz's brother isn't very good at baseball either. Well, I'm just saying, like, that's, <laughs> it just goes into what you're saying about the fact that, like, Probably like, oh, your brother's good. You were great for this city. You're from this city. You're going to be great, Barry. And it's just, it's just not working out. It's just not, it's not going well. Well, I think it's taken over sports media too. It's just like if you're an athlete that played decently in your career, you can come out and do a broadcasting job. That's just how the sports media landscape. Kendrick Perkins is out there giving educated takes on first take every morning. Like it's <laughs> Kendrick yeah. Perkins can't really speak, so Did it's see? it's tough. It's tough to watch him go out there. Is Did Jason Witten was Jason Witten Jason was Witten's Jason Witten oh, worse man. than Barry? He was worse than Barry. God, he was, was worse than Barry. Did you did you guys see that Colin Cowherd told told Baker Mayfield to retire and just get in the booth already? Yeah, <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> He's just like, just call it quits. Just go ahead and get in the booth before you before you ruin your brand. Yeah. Well. All right. 
I don't know if there are any other things of topic of conversation that we've seen from this weekend, Casey, that, that, that you want to bring into this show. Um, I don't know if this yes. is where we go today. No, I think we go. I, I think we do think it. We do. You don't I, think we do it? I, let's take a vote. I think we take a vote. I, you did. You messed up the other one. So no, I didn't. Yeah, you no, did. I yeah, didn't. you did. You messed up the other one. I'm not even going to say what the other one was, but you messed it up. So I think we do it because I think it was funny. I I I, I vote. I vote yay. I don't know what we're talking. about. Reed's going to vote. No, put put, put, put it, it up in the preview screen. I vote. I I vote. I vote no. Okay, Casey. I vote yay. Okay. Am I am I the deciding factor? Yeah. A tie goes to no. Sure. Okay, so what I saw this weekend, uh, there was this a, is from Elliot. This is from Elliot. There's a certain quarterback in the NFL. He's the greatest quarterback in the league currently. His name's Patrick Mahomes. And again, I don't go after people's families. I think that's when you're when you when there's a player on the field, you go after the player. You never you never go after the family. The line gets a little a little grayed when the family member starts making it everything about themselves. And you saw this, and she was interviewing the quarterback, and this is his wife, Brittany. I'm sure she's a very nice person. I'm sure she tries her, her very best. But this is a video I saw, and this is one of the most preposterous videos I think of all time. Go ahead, please. What's my favorite cheat day meal? Fried chicken. No. Chicken fried steak. No. And mashed potatoes. Mexican food. Uh, What's my favorite cheat day meal? Fried chicken. No. Chicken fried steak. No. And mashed potatoes. Mexican food. Yeah, you got anything to add about Elliot. that? Yeah, we got. I think it's embarrassing. You don't know your your husband's favorite uh, meal, post game, post game meal. I think that's bad. Why was that your I mean, favorite thing that you saw this weekend? Because I think that I think it came off a little bit as disrespectful. I don't know. I just I agree, thought Elliot. that was I, so disrespectful from her. I think I don't know. I think if Joe Burrow had a wife, I think she would know what is what 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 uh, she would know what Joe Burrow's favorite off season meal was. I think that's what she would know, and I don't think she would. Uh, you know, go off whatever she wants to go off. I think, you know, you, you got to know that. No other, no other things come to mind, but that's it. I think, yeah, I think that's embarrass a little embarrassing little moment for Brittany. She also spilled beer on a lot of fans. She spilled beer on fans when it, it was, was 10 degrees outside. Wasn't it wine? Was it wine? I think Even it was worse. Wine. Even worse. She spilled beer on a lot of fans, and I don't attack people's families. I don't. Do you think Brittany cooks at all? No. Like, it, no, it, but would it, you cook? Would you cook no. with $200 trillion? Well, I don't cook now. Yes, I love cooking. Yes. Yeah, I don't you, think If I'm you were a billionaire, you'd cook? Oh, I, cooking is one of my favorite things to do. Okay, yes. well, then, then you're in your own league there. But I would not cook. Nobody would cook. Trace wouldn't I, cook. I don't cook now. Yeah. So, there we go. If you added a couple extra zeros to the bank account, I'm <laughs> definitely not cooking. <laughs> I'd not cook even harder. Casey, are you going to cook with a billion dollars? No, I'm not. I'm no. getting my own personal chef. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Anything else this weekend? What a weekend it was. What a weekend it was. I need, I need the NFL back so bad. Is the NFL... I can't win a baseball bet. I can't win a bet in, in, in baseball. And it's become an issue to a point where it's like I try to stop and it's like I think I can win. I, I did hit on Bedford Sportsbook, the greatest sportsbook known to the world... I hit on Ellie De La Cruz home run in the second game because he had a golden sombrero in game one. I knew he was going to bounce back, so shout out Ellie. That was a big hit. But other than that, I've been I got proud. a I got a fun, funny story to tell about my friend in, in Betfred Sportsbook. So my friend, he's not the most tech savvy person in the world. M might even say he's the least tech savvy person in the world. He formerly used other sports books, um, and then his phone his phone died. Had to go get a new phone. He could not remember. 
how to log into the old sports book. So he said, you know what? I'll give it another try. So he's like, I'm going to go give Betfred Sportsbook a try. Great. That's what we've been preaching. That's what we want to do. It's the best, best sports book on the planet. And this is how good it is. By far. He cannot figure out how to withdraw money from his account. And it's not because Betfred. It's incredibly easy. We've all done it. We do it quite frequently. He, the tech-savvy person this is, cannot figure out why, how to withdraw money. So he is getting checks sent to his home, and this guy bets like five dollars a pop. So he's he's getting checks for like eighteen thirty seven sent to his home. <laughs> he's got three checks on the way from Betfred Sportsbook simply because this guy cannot figure out how to withdraw money from his account. Yeah, that's silly. Uh, Preposterous. Yeah, I mean, if you can't figure out how to use the UI on Betfred Sportsbook, you'll never figure out how to use the UI on any other sportsbook. Uh, In regards to some NBA talk, I know that's a big hot topic in this office. Uh, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on the fact that um, James Harden Harden? is is saying that, one, they say they're not going to trade him, and then he turns around and says he's not going to be a part of a franchise. Uh, but I don't remember what the name of the guy was. But nonetheless, it looks like there's some uh, murky waters. I could care absolutely less about this situation. Are you an NBA guy, Elliot? I don't think we've ever even gotten into that with no, you. No, I'm not a big NBA guy. I watch the NBA, obviously. I'm a sports guy. But James Harden, I've had this take for a long time. James Harden is the biggest hack the National Basketball Association has ever seen. James Harden, James Harden sucks. More than Kyrie. James Harden, Kyrie's good at his job. Kyrie's a genuinely good point guard in the NBA. He's just a head case and nobody wants to play with him. And he's and a James crazy Harden's person. not? James Harden yeah, is, but he's also bad, dude. He only shoots threes. He just pops them away, right? He doesn't do anything else. He That's gets, all he does. What he does is he gets to the line. He gets to the line with a rule that like he forced into the league. Like that wasn't like that was a dumb rule. That was a fake rule. He, he's, I'm not gonna argue about if James Harden's a good basketball James Harden's player. not a good basketball player. James Harden's not a good basketball player. And James Harden's the biggest head case now in the league, too. Him and Kyrie both. I don't know. And again, if you tr- if you ask for a million trades, nobody's going to want you, that's, dude, because you don't win. That's what's frustrating about the NBA is they just like it. it just every year, and it, and it started with with LeBron leaving. Quite honestly, that's when that's when it eh, probably started. Maybe with the Celtics back in 08, about they realized that they have more power over their owners. Just say like, I'm not going to play for you. I want to go somewhere else. And then LeBron starts making these super teams down in Miami and stuff like that. That now they're just like, I'm all right. I gave it two tries in Philadelphia. Let's try it somewhere else. I want to. <laughs> I want to go to a new team. Just want to go to a new job. I yeah, mean, that's crazy. That 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 has ruined the sport. The NBA, by the way, need, they need to start their season on Christmas Day. They eliminate the October and November. Nobody wants to watch that. Nobody. By the way, nobody plays in the NBA. They miss two months because of load management. Could you imagine, like, the Reds just taking Ellie out of the, out of the lineup for two months? They might have to soon. Well, why is that, Reed? Not very good. There he comes, right, out, right from under the bridge. <laughs> right from under the bridge. Here comes the troll. No, but I think, like, it's just it, – the NBA is fun to watch come postseason. It's, it's one of the greatest postseasons. Uh, but it's just a bad regular season, so it's tough. Would you would you love if Cincinnati had a team? Would you? Get I would. No, I would. That would change my. That would change my attitude. I agree. 100%. If if Cincinnati, I used to think that Cincinnati, I'd like it more if they had a hockey team. Out on that, I mean, I couldn't name a hockey player. I can't name hockey players. You can't name a single hockey player. Sidney Crosby. One more. One more that you got to know. Over in Washington. Ovechkin. Yep, there it is. Then those two guys are on their way out. Right, yeah, I was just going to say. I don't know anybody players. else. Well, That's I, all I, I know. Knew, I knew he could name two. I knew all right. <clears throat> Play a little fun game today. Ready? Sling it our way. Uh, it wouldn't be a show without some more NFL talk, right? So top 25 players that are 25 and under, I want to see if you guys will give a three-strike minimum between the three of you. 
We'll go, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go. Casey, Elliot, Reed, Casey, Elliot, Reed. Top 25 players under 25? Yeah, but we're not, we, I, don't, I don't think we should do all 25. That seems a little excessive. That seems too many people. We'll do the top 10 players that are 25 and under. Okay. You get three strikes. Some of those three strikes can be like, you can, you can work together as well. I don't want to make it feel like you have to. Okay. It's not, this isn't the immaculate grid type concept. Okay. But here's the thought. You'll get, you'll get one strike, uh, one free pass, one free pass if they're over 25 by one year. So if they're 26 years old, I won't, I'll give you one free pass. If, if, is it 25 and under or under 25? It's 25 and under. And under. Okay. Okay. Cool. We're talking NFL. Yes. Let me make sure I'm reading this right. Hold on. We're not going in order. We're just rattling them off. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would smoke this. Yep, 25 or younger before this year's week one games. Okay, uh, I'm going to say Justin Jefferson. That's a good one. Is that right? Yep, that's right. That's right. Okay. Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. Because he's 25 right now. Number eight. Okay. On this list, by the way. Micah. Micah Parsons. He's number okay. two. So we have one, two, and eight so far. Uh, Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, number five. Man, if Jalen Hurts was eight, I was going to say Justin Fields. Uh... One of the Boses? Uh, it would be Nick if he, if that, if he is under 25. But Is TJ under 25? All right, I need an answer. We got a bunch of names. Nick Bosa, right Nick now. Bosa, Nick Bosa. I... Nick Bosa. Final answer. Final answer. All right, he's on there, yes. Let's go. Number three, Nick Bosa, San Francisco Giants. He is 25 years old. Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner is on here. Really? He is, at, say, he is number he nine. He's number nine. Which one are we missing? Well, you got two more to Is go. there another quarterback? I don't know if that's part of the rules. No, you got, you got, you got, a, you got three more to go. If Jalen's Four eight, more to go. If Jalen's eight. What, what? Is Trevor Lawrence under 25? It won't be Trevor yeah. Lawrence. There's no way Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence. Six. Joe is 26, no. yeah, so just, Trevor would be 25. There's no right? way Trevor Yeah, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, first strike. Yeah, mm-hmm. I knew he wasn't on the list. Um, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Is there a running back? Are we, do we know any One running is backs? an offensive tackle that I think is very unfair, but that's just where we're at. But I'll give you 11 as the, that counts for 10, because 11 I think that you should probably have a chance at getting. Number ten, I don't. I mean, unless you're Casey, you probably aren't going to get. What do you? What was the question? I'm sorry, did I miss that? Herbert. Herbert. Herbert is on here. Yes, yes he is. Okay. Number six. Good one, Reed. Who is was was Slater hurt last year from the Chargers? Yes. Yeah, he's but been that, pretty good. That's 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 definitely a guy, right? Has to be. He's been great. Yeah. Uh, Slater is not on here. Well, he was hurt last year. So, Casey, who's the guy from the Broncos? Which defensive uh, guy? Um, like a corner? How many are we missing? Yeah. Uh, You're missing three. And in fact, the chat, I think the chat. The go ch- that guy. Go, go, Casey. What, what was the name? Sertan. Patrick Sertan. That's I don't my know guess. if he's 25. Ooh, Creed Humphrey. Reed or no. Trace? Not Reed. Damn. Patrick Sertan. Yeah, that guy. He is not on this top ten list. Damn. Jalen. No, Bob. no, no, no. I lied. He is. My bad. That's on me. Jalen Waddle. Sertain is on here. Four. You guys have. Uh, you guys are missing two. Creed Humphrey. Jalen Waddle is eleven. 
And Jalen Waddle was the guy that I thought that you guys should get over the number 10 guy. Jalen Waddle is 11. Number 10, though, is going to be tough. I think that his name has been brought up in the chat, though. I don't, I don't think they'd put Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey might be the best player at his position. Panay Sewell? It is not Panay Sewell. It's a good guess, though. Remember when Panay Sewell caught that... Uh... The, uh, I mean, yeah. You got two. You guys are missing two. One is a defensive. <laughs> listen, one is a defensive tackle. Okay. One is an offensive tackle. So defensive tackle from the Jets. Um, that's a good how, guess. How, how old's the guy from the Colts? No, it's not him. It's no. not a Colts guy. Got, Colts, okay, Colts what about the guy from the Bucks? Mm. Vita Vea. No, I don't think it's him either. Um, if it was the Jets, I was gonna say Quinn and Williams. He is on here. Quentin okay. Williams is on here. Uh, Quentin Williams is seven. Worfs. And that would be number 10. Let's go. Let's go. Yep. Okay. I'll read the rest of the, uh, rest of the list off for those that are curious about what that looks like. Andrew Thomas they have as number 12 offensive tackle from Georgia. No big deal. The New York Giants. Uh, number 13, Dexter Lawrence with the Giants as well as a defensive tackle. Number 14, wide receiver C.D. Lamb for the Dallas Cowboys. 15, quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Um, I know that you guys had him in the top 10. They have him at number 15. He's a guy. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that I think if he has a good year this year or even maybe, dare I say, great year, he will skyrocket up charts. He's going to be a guy that I think people are they're yearning for him to be well, uh, be I, good, and they're going to include him in that next crop of good young players. I think he's already borderline top five. I really do. Wow. Okay. I disagree. Well, Lawrence? Yes. What? He thinks Trevor Lawrence is – listen, Trevor Lawrence Portal. has been, 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 uh, been okay. All right, number 16, offensive tackle, Panay Sewell. That was a good guess by UKC. They have him at 16, not top 10. He is 22 years old. He plays for the Detroit Lions. Number 17 is a running back out of the Las Vegas Raiders, Josh Jacobs. Uh, I believe yeah, he played guy. for Alabama. He did. Number 18, wide receiver, another Alabama player, Devontae Smith from the Philadelphia Eagles. And then you got 19th, Creed Humphrey – the Kansas City Chiefs. He is a center, and then you have a defensive end from the Carolina Panthers. These are this is where the 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 the, the, the NFL is so wild. This guy is twentieth best player in the NFL, and I genuinely have never heard of this guy before. <laughs> I think I watch a lot of football. Obviously, I don't watch enough. Burns. Brian Burns. Yeah, yeah. never heard of a defensive end. Brian Burns for the Carolina Panthers, age twenty-five. Tight end Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, uh, he's a guy that needs a quarterback, right? Like, it Correct. feels like um, – Their scheme doesn't let them go deep anyways. They, they like to run the ball a lot. But. Well, Kyle Pitts, and I know – listen, the one thing that I love about Cincinnati is that, boy, do they get behind their guys. I have I, 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 never watched enough college football. I watch a ton of it. I've never seen Desmond Ritter do it for me. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying he's going to be a bum. I just don't understand the, the fanfare that comes with Desmond Ritter. I really don't. Yeah, well, he's not very good. I think that's the, that's what you're seeing. I think that's where you kind of get confused because you're like, oh, they won a lot of games that one year at UC. That was because they had the, one of the best defenses in the country. It wasn't because of Desmond Ritter. I think Desmond Ritter's a very good college quarterback. I think there are some guys that where the game doesn't translate to the NFL. I don't think it's going to translate for Desmond Ritter. I hope I'm wrong. But it's, he's a dink and, it just he doesn't have the arm strength. He's, he's a dink and dunk guy. D Desmond Ritter is like just bar by far and away just like your prototypical third round draft, third round NFL QB. Won a lot in college. Is a big build. Yeah. But has 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 not a very high ceiling. Yeah. yeah. Some guys it just doesn't translate. 
Tim Swat. Tebow didn't translate. I mean, Spur about- does bring up a good point that he said that Casey was very concerned about Brian Burns and the Carolina Panthers. Do you guys remember that, man? I tell you what, I can't wait for the NFL season because Casey is one hell of a roller coaster. I don't know if you've been a part of this, Elliot. <laughs> I don't not. know if you've been a part of this, but boy, I'll tell you what. You're, you're going to go from the world the world champions, the Super Bowl champions, to, <laughs> to the depths of hell in a short amount of time last year. And you know what? Casey's probably right. It just worked out that the Bengals basically slaughtered the Panthers last year. But for I'm telling you, a week straight, Casey was down in the dumps over there telling us how good the, the, the Panthers were. And I'm looking at the Panthers score. Me and Sean are out there going, what? what? The Panthers are not that good. And he's like, Casey's over here talking about these defensive ends and how they're going to get to the quarterback. <laughs> and the next thing you know, and I when I I tell you that it could not have been more of an ass kicking against the Bengals versus the Panthers. The Panthers <laughs> stood the no chance. They only threw it like 20 times. I mean, I can't, I can't predict what their game plan is going to be, but that was the Joe Mixon game where he ran for five, like had five touchdowns, right? Yeah. Casey, I'm still waiting what for your prediction prediction on the Reds. I don't, did you hear this trace? What? Casey's prediction for the Reds was that they would lose every single series. Uh, six out of the six out of the eight series from uh, the beginning of August to sometime in the beginning of September, yeah. he had the, the Reds losing six of eight, the other two series being ties. So no series wins. But in September, they go on the most unprecedented run in baseball history. They have a 10-game winning streak, nine-game winning streak. They win every series, and they win the NL Central. But to be win fair— 90 games. To well, be fair, I didn't say win the NL Central. I just said that they— make the playoffs. Make the playoffs. At 90 wins. But it would be—I mean, it would be the single greatest comeback of all time. Okay. They'd make well, a movie they- about this season. I mean, if we're not, if we're not, you, and by the way, you're right so far. Yeah, right now I'm on pace. I'm actually, I'm actually, they're a little behind pace on my prediction, but hmm. I can't predict when they actually win, win like series and lose series. I was just kind of guesstimating the win totals. Sounds like a it was a guess. <laughs> All right. Hey, this guy yeah. seems too low on this list, though. He does. Number 22, wide receiver DK Metcalf. Don't you guys feel like that's a little slanderous? I, 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 I do. I think he's better than 22. He can run on a straight line really good. Well, sometimes that's all you need to do. Yeah. yeah. He that, that play that where he comes back and gets that guy, that is, awesome. that is one of the most incredible football plays I've ever seen. I think it's just because, I mean, he's not – getting 1500 yards right he's getting a thousand yards he's splitting time with uh tyler lockett i think at number one probably so would you rather have him or cd lamb i'd rather have dk that's that's where i'm at like i think if you put dk with the cowboys i, I don't know cd lamb's pretty good too though i mean yeah I feel like you're just basically it's, it's, a, it's a flip of a coin. I'm looking at this. Uh, this guy took a nosedive on this chart. Absolute nosedive. You guys want to take a guess at who this is? I'm, I can't not believe that this guy's name's on this list. He's I'm at 23. At I'm at uh, that's fair. 23. You want to take a guess, Elliot? He knows the answer. That's not fair. No, I don't have a guess. This guy is taking a nosedive. Of of all of the players that have that have that his stock has gone significantly down, this guy has the that the this guy is um I don't know. I'm not going to turn this into a political show, but nonetheless, <laughs> the stock is tanking. <laughs> the stock is tanking, huh? Yes. Saquon? No. Uh-huh. Right position. Wrong name. Give you, give, I'll give you 10 more seconds. If you get it, you get That's free. If, if, you get, if you get it, you get free lunch. You got 10 seconds right now. Uh, he is a running back. Um, tanking. Stock Jonathan tanking. Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Good. You got free lunch. Jonathan Ooh. Taylor. This guy was MVP talks. 
one of the best running backs yeah. in the league. Next thing you know, one year later. I mean, when I kid you, I'm not kidding you. One year later, Jonathan Taylor now is the 23rd. He almost missed the list. That's why running backs. <laughs> guys, this guy is 24 years old and was in MVP talks two years ago. And now we're talking about how the, he's off the cliff. He's falling off a cliff. That's why this sport stinks. That's why that position stinks. He was hurt all last year, guys. Correct. I mean, yeah, if he, if he plays all 17 games, he still probably rushes for like 1,300 yards. I mean, he, he's that's still rushing. That's part of the problem with running backs. Right. That's, that's, that's part of the problem with running backs, listen, right? That's what's if, happening. That's if, the problem with Justin Fields is that when you're a running back, <laughs> oh, you're probably going to get hurt. All, all right. Let's get all 24, Trevor Diggs. Trayvon Diggs, sorry. Yep. Last guy that made it on the list. Good player. Can't say his name. Hafunga? How do you say his name? Casey, do you know Casey? how to say that guy's name? What? what are you saying? What, what, what's the... Uh, Talano Hafunga. Oh, yeah, yeah. Talanoa. Talanoa. Uh, the, the linebacker. Safety. Safety. safety he might be a linebacker for the 49ers. He the 49ers. plays like a linebacker. The dude's, He's still like yeah. string quarterback because they need a couple more. Of Everybody that plays for the, for the 49ers, I think, plays by a, like a linebacker. That team is incredible. Well, they played a bad thing. Um... Here we go. All right. Um, <laughs> I can't wait for NFL season. To start. The NFL season is is almost here, folks. And the good news is is that the Cincinnati Reds, they've hung around. You know what the Cincinnati Reds have done that many of you didn't think they had a chance of doing was be relevant till the All-Star break. And then not only did they do the All-Star break, but then they took it to a whole other level. And they're playing meaningful baseball as we sit here on August 14th, 2023. We have some more announcements that are going to come out throughout the rest of this week. I'm going to sit in a huddle with these guys after the show, try to figure out what we want this show to look like moving forward today. If we're being completely honest, I rolled in here about 10 minutes before the show started. We just figured it out. When it, we, we, we just we just said that we, we're going to we're going to figure it out. I watched 20 hours of baseball yesterday. I felt miserable. I went to bed at like one in the morning. I went upstairs after uh, my show with with Kirby on Chatterbox Reds, shout out Chatterbox Reds, went up there to lay in my own bed, and my youngest son was taking up my spot laying in the bed. He has school the next day, his very first day of school, and I thought to myself, do I, have to, do I wake him up and make him go get in his own bed, or do I just take one for the team and go into his room and lay in his, lay in his bed? Mm -hmm. That'll be the last time I take one for the team. <laughs> I, I woke up this morning and felt like absolute hell. My back's sore. My neck's cramped. And that's the only chance that Elliot has to beat me in golf is if I lay in my son's bed right before we play. So we're going to do two things after the show's over, I can promise you. Tomorrow's going to be a much better show. I promise you it'll be more organized. We'll have better topics probably than just us going around the room just free balling it. Tracy will be here, right? Tracy Jones will be here. I think. We'll have to I confirm think. that. He should be he should here. Be. Uh, Tracy Jones will be here. But more importantly, thank you for watching uh, this show. It will get better, I promise you. Uh, it'll certainly get better once I... Uh, once I don't show up 10 minutes before the show starts. Let's do the ad reads. And Casey wants to do the ad reads. Yeah, let's do the ad reads real quickly so we make our money for the show. <laughs> the uh, Bengals and Bearcats report <laughs> is sponsored by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered data world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing modules to improve efficiency and productivity. There we go. Productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. And then our good friends at Pawnee, Pawnee Water. It is a new premium alkaline water. It's not really new anymore. 
But I have to tell you, this stuff tastes really good. Made in Hamilton, Ohio, Pawnee Water uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P A H H N I water.com to see where you can buy this great tasting water. Hell yeah. Yes, that was great. I love that. Good I love the schoolgirls over there uh, just, just chuckling <laughs> the entire time during your ad read. You did a great job, Casey. We were gonna we're gonna figure some stuff out this week. We have uh, four shows to announce. We have some stuff that is coming, I believe, for Friday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that we are going to get back to doing that a little bit, not nowhere near as much as we have in the past. If you're a if you're a local Friday Night Football fan, uh, but 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 nonetheless, listen, we're trying to uh, we're trying to sort through what was a little bit of uh, a little bit of rocky waters, which was last week, right? Uh, I think within a 24 hour period. I found out that Paul was leaving, and then I also found out that Tom had obviously the vocal cord issue. Um, I had AJ Worse in the chat telling me that our that our company was going under. And you know what? I think we're as we sit here on Monday at twelve oh five. Everything seems to be okay. I think it's going to be a okay. We just got to figure out what we want the show to look like moving forward. A little bit more than what we did today, like I said. But I think we need to rearrange the studio a little bit. We need we need uh, maybe not a ton. Just a little bit. I think. I think we kind of. It needs to have a new identity. Yeah. Right. It can't. We can't. We can't. Um, what's the phrase to use? It's like we got a new head coach in a little bit of a way. Yeah. We have to have some new. new system. We have to have some new. Some new. Uh, new mantras on the wall. You know how they do that, right? I think we need more pillows in here. Maybe a couch. Just a lot of pillows, really. Just cover okay. them in pillows. It's <laughs> like we're gonna go to the furniture store. All right. We'll be back better than ever tomorrow. I can promise you that. I can guarantee that. If there's one thing I can promise you, it's tomorrow's show will be better than today's show. All right? It will be. And I've already uh, basically given you the reasons as to why. But we love you. We enjoy you. I see the same familiar names in the chat as we always do. And uh, I'm sure you'll be back tomorrow. And I hope you join us because we're going to be back. 10A tomorrow. That's Tuesday for most of you, except Yash. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 